What's up, guys? Welcome back. Coach Show Uncensored, Episode 3. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian and Davi. Christian, what's up? How's it going? Davi? How you guys been? And we're joined by our special special guest for today's episode, Stats NYCFC. Stats, what's Hello. up? It's, it's great to be here, man. It's great to be here. Yep. Very excited. All right, so... Um, Every time we have a special guest on, we, we go over three questions. Uh, first question, favorite NYCFC player of all time? Um, certainly tough. I was a big Alex Ring guy, of course, before the trade. Um, I like Steven Mendoza for all the OGs back when his, you know, first, his Red Boots 10-game cameo. <laughs> uh, so I'd probably go Mendoza. That's a, that's a bold choice of, of every player that's, that's worn the kit, worn the badge, Steven Mendoza. But I, res- I respect that. I respect that. Uh, favorite, this is a loaded question because of what just happened this past week, but favorite current NYCFC player? Uh, Do you need to check a roster first just to make sure? Uh, sure. <laughs> I probably won't have to scroll much because we only have about eight guys, but, <laughs> um, oof, that's tough. I'd probably go Pereira, even though it seems like he's a bit AWOL right now. I mean, I, I don't really know about GP, but. I'd say Pereira, just in terms of, I enjoy the way that he plays it. I think it's rare in the MLS to have an inverted winger who can kind of produce quality and product. And I think that GP offers that. And I like him. And there's really not much to choose from. Or Chanel, maybe. Or Chanel. So. Yeah, that's fine. Gabby Pereira is a very popular choice here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, final question. Favorite, favorite NYCFC kit that we've worn? Ooh, um, I actually thought the orange one this year was a bit ugly. I didn't really like that one. Um, I think, I don't know, like, I just thought the thing that was happening in the middle that kind of looked like a lightning bolt didn't go all the way up to the top, and that always annoyed me a little bit. Um, but probably, I think, I think it was either first or second year, the black away kit we had first year, yeah. was nice. Yeah, so I'd probably go with that one. Yeah, that was limited release because we only wore it for that one season that it got replaced by the Hypno kit, I believe. Yeah, Hypno, yeah. Yeah. That was a classic of black kit, though. Yeah, that black kit was nice. All right, so getting right down to business. Uh, NYCFC has had two games uh, this week. We had a 2-2 draw to San Jose closed-door scrimmage. Um, Do you guys guys read any of the the excerpts and, and articles about that match? I read that Talis Magno had a penalty goal. That's about, and that was the only goal. And LAFC only scored one goal. All that, the scoring yeah, came that, in the first that, half. That's the LA, that's the LAFC game that got that just finished like an hour ago. Um, what was it? One one to score. That was one one. Uh, but but earlier this week we had a two two draw against San Jose. We were down, we were down one uh, zero at half. Uh, then we conceded again at the start of the second half. Uh, and then the boys fought back to, for a 2-2 draw. We had a PK with uh, J.J. Jimenez, um, who converted after not converting in the first, uh, the first scrimmage. And then we, uh, we leveled off of a uh, Haxhari corner, uh, corner kick goal. It was oh, was, uh, wasn't that Jason that took the penalty in the last game? Yeah, it was Jason. Yeah, right. I think it was Jason. Jason missed the rebound. Jason missed the missed the, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> missed the PK and the follow up rebound. So JJ Jimenez took the PK in the second game. Hex Hari scored. So the the way I read it was it was a corner kick. It was a short corner. 
Um, and then they served it in, and Haxari was able to finish it. Haxari is a academy NYCFC 2 uh, defender, center back. Um, so, so, I mean, once I saw that he scored, I was like, okay, it was definitely off his set piece. Um, and I guess the other uh, the other big thing about uh, – and then also then we had a game today. Uh, we tied 1-1 against uh, reigning 2022 MLS Cup champions LAFC. Another closed-door scrimmage. Tied at 1-1, and we leveled off of a uh, Talos Magno penalty kick. So for those of you keeping score at home, we've had three preseason games. We've scored three goals, and uh, two of them have come from PKs, <laughs> and one of them has come from a set piece. So we have exactly zero goals from the run of play. Um, which, is, but also another thing is um, another thing to note is that we're we're running four at the back. What do you, what do you guys? Uh, I'm not a fan of that. Is it, is it time to I'm go back to three in the back? Because we had a lot of success with that towards the end of the season. Well, so it looks like we've kind of done like a mosh podge of uh, of de- deploying different fullbacks in um, so far in this four. Um, today the starter was um, was O'Toole at left back, but the last match I believe it was was it a Munson last match in in, in the midweek game. I believe so. I think a Munson yes, got, it was. got the nod mid midweek um, at, at left back. Um, we, I, I still the the we Elenich did not get the start. Um, Today, um, I don't know if he got in the second half because they didn't release second half lineups. Um, but uh, I'm not sure how comfortable I feel with uh, with with four at the back, especially with the with those defenders, the, the fullbacks not being the strongest uh, strongest of the group. Um, I definitely think that the three in the back with the with the with the wing backs is definitely uh, a better a better setup. Um, what do you, how do you guys feel about about uh, the four four at the back versus three at the back? Oh, I want to get Stats's uh, Stats's opinion first. Right. Uh, what do you think about three in the back versus four in the back? Um, I mean, I know we changed to three at kind of the back end of last season. Felt more. I don't know if it was defensively strong, but I think we kind of accepted that we can't go into every game expecting to win three zero. Um, just try and play with a little bit more stability. Thought it brought success in the sense that we also relied on kind of more technical players to just try and have the ball and try and create. I kind of prefer four at the back, to be honest, um, with the squad that we have. But considering the results we had when we changed the three at the back, I wouldn't necessarily be against it. But I also think, I mean, we spent, I think it was well, like a million um, on the new right back. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, Polish. Yeah, so I mean, if you spend a million on a right back in MLS, you probably expect that he plays most games. And so playing a three at the back, I don't know where he fits in, if he can operate just kind of going up and down the right or if he's more defensive. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind either way. I think probably more important if you're playing a three at the back is the people who sit right in front of him. So hopefully like Alfredo is good to go with obviously, you know, the injuries that he picked up at the end of last season. And if we have someone else to hold because I don't trust Hack at all um but i mean i think regardless it's it, it kind of depends on the system as a whole really like, i think it's just some of the parts for us but i wouldn't be mad either way just whatever gets the best results especially now with time but i don't know who we're going to start in goal either between freeze and barraza so 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 my issue with the four my my, my issue with the four back is this i don't think cushing can make it work see the thing is like the reason why I, I feel like, like, I mean, and I, and I think it's borne out from like, you know, the data that, that we saw last, last year during that like little skid is that 
what Cushing was trying to do was he was trying to interpret Ronnie Dyla's system, and he was fairly poor at it. Like, like because be, for for one, because he didn't have like a complete forward in like the shape that like Tati is. Uh, you know, Aber. You know, people can say what you want about him. I believe that this podcast I greatly divided on Aber. Uh, Joe is not a fan, uh, very notoriously, uh, and is blocked on Twitter accordingly uh, by Aber. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I, I do like Aber. But the thing is, he only really works in like, like, like Joe May's system was perfect for for him because it only relied on him to be in the right positions to score goals, as opposed to help create them as well. Much like Tati was proved to be very adept at. Um, and once we got the three back, I just felt like. Honestly, I felt like we would have beaten Philadelphia had it not been for one or two injuries, especially uh, especially with Hack trying to come in and play middle center back in that game. I do think that we were the team to. I, th- I do think that game was ours to lose, especially after the first goal. Uh, and also in a three back, you can still use a guy like uh, Misha Ilanich is the uh, is the new guy that we picked up. Um, I do still think you can use him and as like a wide midfielder on the right on the right flank responsible for getting back like, you know, up and down the, uh, up and down the pitch, much like, you know, Anton Tinnerholm did. He seems to have a very similar skill set. And it also allowed for us to, you know, rely on Kevin O'Toole, who I thought was a much more dynamic player when, when entering the attacking third, as opposed to Amundsen, who I've always felt was more of a, a defensive uh, minded fullback, as opposed to one that can, you know, like, like is very effective in the attack. I'm still a three in the back guy under Cushing's watch. However, if he can find the thing is, unless like the only problem with the three in the back right now is that we don't really have a left center back that can do it because I don't think any of us want Tony Alfaro to be our starting left center back going into the season. And I do think that we would all prefer to pick up someone new and we also need a striker as well. But, um, you know, I, I am open to the four in the back system so long as that, you know, as long as the middle of the park is, you know, shored up and ready to go. But the thing is, we don't even really have a 10 right now because according to Christian, that's not, that's not a, a Matias Pellegrini's bag. So, you know, I don't know. Davi, what do you think? Well, there, there is rumors going around that Alan Sonora uh, could possibly be on the, on the cards uh, for us to sign. He's a free agent, obviously. Uh, I believe he um, came from the, the Portuguese league. Uh, obviously terminated his contract over there in Portugal. Um, he is from New York. Um, and he does have family in the New York area, so hopefully that that um, you know family could actually sway him to go to come to our club. You know, kind of have that as a little bit of an advantage on other clubs. I know other MLS clubs are interested in him. He's obviously a free agent, uh, young American prospect. You know, uh, just got released from Europe. Why not? Why not come over to MLS, have a shot in your own home country, and uh, I, make I a think, name for I yourself? I think he's leaving Independiente. I think he's leaving Independiente, which is in Argentina. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I know even even so, it still fits in with the uh, still fits in with that like mindset of like collecting young players from South America. Yeah, obviously, yeah, and you know, obviously, him being an American prospect, you know, he can come back to his home country, make a name for himself, and then eventually be shipped off in, uh, to Europe in a few years. Um, I think. I think. Um, you guys do make valid points. You know, we are missing a left center back. We don't have Alexander Callens anymore. He went off to Girona. Um, now, now, now that he's gone, we now have a vacant left center back spot. And, you know, Tony Alfaro, from what I've heard from D.C. and Seattle fans, he's not that good of a center back. Um, you know, obviously was part of that D.C. team that finished bottom of the league. 
um, you know, just kind of went shopping in the free in the freebie bin and, you know, just kind of picked them up uh, for depth because at the time it looked like Callens was going to stay, but we obviously know that's not the case anymore. Um, I, I, I personally go three at the back. I, I think I think you're better off going three at the back. You know, Nick Cushing, you know, for, for the whole summer tried tried a back four and it just didn't work out for him. We, we were absolutely terrible with the back four, only one one in ten up until that hot loss game where we went three in the back. Um, I think I think if you go three in the back, I think you've got to put Elenich as the right wing back and you put in Tavon Gray as a center back. I think I think your odds are much better with uh, back three of Chano, Tiago Martins, and Tavon Gray um, to win games if you're going for a back three. And then probably put uh, Kerfe, the, the new left back, at left wing back, and then you put Elenich at right wing back. Um, I think that's I think that's a much better, much sustainable, more defense than um, having Tony Alfaro, Chano, and uh, Tiago Martins. Stats, what say you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, there's a lot of holes in the team, right? Like, I mean, it's tough to kind of analyze. I was also just doing a little bit of digging now on Lenich as well. I mean, he's 18, hasn't really consistently played at the high level at all. Um, I mean, even for his team in, uh, in Slovenia, he was pretty much part of their youth teams, even up to this year. So, you know, there's not too much on him. He doesn't have an FB ref page. He doesn't have any page that displays any kind of stats on him as a player. So it's really tough to say what kind of player he is. Um, you know, I I think that Tony Alfaro is uh, it's pretty sad to be, to, to, to be quite frank. The fact that uh, he's someone that could possibly be starting for us, considering I think the caliber of center back partnerships that the team has had over the past years with especially more recently with Kyle and Chino. Um, I, I think also that kind of leads to a separate thing, but I think the fact that we're parting ways with guys like Kyans and not getting anything for them means that it's, you know, it's harder to make positive and forward upgrades on these guys because you're not receiving any form of compensation back. So it's kind of, you know, you kind of do have to look at the free agent market or maybe sign guys, uh, low-end price, whatever it may be. I think the Kufre signing is interesting. Again, I think it says that Kufre is more of an attacking-minded player. Um, I do watch a lot of the Liga, um, and he was someone who I think I remember him playing in Argentina. He's played in, in Spain, obviously, for two or three years now. Um, he's more of an attacking-minded player, so I think it just speaks a little bit more to maybe playing a four at the back and having good fullbacks. I don't see like a Lenich as a guy who's going to start day one or anything close to that, by the way. Like I would, I would highly doubt that he starts more than 10, 15 games. If that the season to be totally honest, just because he's, I mean, he's 18, he's young. It's a new country. I don't, you know, it's so tough then you think any. that we're deploying Tavon Gray as our starting right back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I honestly believe, I honestly think Cushing is going to start Tavon Gray probably for like the first four, five, six games of the season and then finally give Illinich a chance. Uh, I, I just I just feel like Cushing would probably leave it too late and then, you know, he changes the whole system and then we probably go go on a good run. I do want to put this out there, too. There's really nowhere else that he can play on the pitch right now, Tavon Gray, because if you put him in the back three as like a, as a three, like as a, you know, a, 
a three-man back line. That's three right-footed center backs. That's not gonna that, that that's not gonna work. I, I I don't think. I don't think you can put that. You, you can put easily slot him in if Chanel or Martins goes down on like on on either on either end. He's too. I don't think he's big enough to be the middle center back in a three-back pairing. But he but he can definitely play right center back. The thing is, I would not be an advocate for putting him in the back line because you need you need at least one left-footed center back in order to make that work. You need a left-footed center back, period, in my opinion. I, I don't even like what they've been doing with put, with trotting both Chino and, and Martins out there. I think they're both very good center backs, but two right-footed center backs in a back line, like whether uh, in a back four, nonetheless, I think is a disaster waiting to happen, as is three right-footed center backs in, in a three-back. So I, I honestly think like, you know, like, like, yeah, maybe, maybe Ilanich doesn't start right away. And I don't think he's going to either. I think he's going to have to earn his minutes. I, I do think Tavon Gray will be our starting right back come the season opener on February 25th, 100%. I think Tavon Gray will be there. Um, yeah, right now there's a lot of holes that need to be plugged into that back line because yeah, individually, I don't even think it's like, I've mentioned this on plenty of occasions. I don't think our, st- our first choice starting 11 right now when accounting for GP is a very bad, is a bad starting 11 at all. I mean, you've got Alfredo Morales and Keaton Parks in the middle of the park, you know, like Keaton playing that eight and, and Alfredo playing that six. And I do think that that's going to be a very good partnership, assuming both can stay healthy. You know, Ke- we know Keaton has had those blood clot issues and we know that uh, Alfredo has had a, had a litany of issues, especially towards the end of the season, as uh, Stats mentioned earlier. Uh, right now, what you need is, you need a left-footed center back right now, and I do think it opens you up for a lot more possibilities because maybe then you can, you know, do like a platoon type of thing with Ilanich and and Gray and, and see how that works. But I, I do think right now, as it stands, Tavon Gray will be our starting right back. Well, so here's something of note in the in the uh, in the press conference that the NYCC held on I think it was Thursday. Um, they um, uh, Keaton Parks was one of the speakers, and he I think he came out and said that he's still not a hundred percent from all of the surgeries and stuff that he had, so he's still not playing back That's at that one hundred percent like fitness level. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you um, you know you can't really trust in two blood clots injury in the space of what like less than a month uh, or less than a year. You can't really trust that. It's only a matter of time until he gets another one, and then you know once he gets that third, you know what what do you do? You know you miss him out for what another two three months. And, and, and we're, we're the very one. His career is over. Well, yeah, so yeah, obviously, yeah. That speaks to our depth at an important position, the six, eight, ten. Yeah, you look the at, only you look at we six, have right now. Six is Alfredo Morales. Eight is Keaton Parks. Ten, I guess now is t- talking about for Ten, I guess now is Maximo Carismo, Car- Carizo for now. Um, and then our depth at the at that the depth across the board of those positions literally is Justin Hack, and he is just a six. So we have no depth at the eight and no depth at the ten. Well, what do you think about Malcolm Johnson, though? I don't I haven't heard much of him about I, so I, I, I think, I think, you, I think I, you give him a chance. I think all I've give heard him about him is that is that he could potentially play those like an eight, maybe maybe a ten, maybe. Um, but I, I've heard a lot of on, on the podcast a lot of people spitballing that 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 maybe his future is at like the wing back position, kind of a la Kevin O'Toole. Wow. That's For interesting, sake, man. Of course, of course. I, the thing is, if you go three back, I don't. You don't even need a ten. That's the thing. You don't have a ten in, in that. In that, because we were running with the three four three last year. It wasn't like a three five two where you have that like those two defensive pivots and that one attacking midfielder. We had two holding midfielders, which is where Maxi was slot slotting in next to Kacha, and then you had two wing backs, uh, wide midfielders. 
who basically would track that, basically white eights. Mm-hmm. And so, so I mean, you don't necessarily need a ten if you if you retain that system and and a four two three one, which is seemingly what Cushing has been experimenting with. This pro- our fucking attack of midfielder is fourteen years old. <laughs> but okay, so that's exactly what stats said. But then I came back with like, what? What, what, what about Alfonso Davies? What about Freddie? Can't even Adu? get a fucking driver's license. But like Freddie Adu and Alfonso like, Davies, they they sharpen their teeth. They cut their teeth in the league, like at, at a young age. Why can't sure, Parizzo do? Sure, but uh, so Freddie Adu cut his teeth in the league in the early two thousands when MLS was one point uh, MLS one basically a, it was a Sunday league. Yeah, it was terrible. Like, like, and like, you can we can argue about MLS's quality in comparison to the worldwide game as much as we want. This year, I truly think that if you plopped MLS in Europe, it would be at least a top twelve league in the world, in Europe at least on the continent. I think um, I think most of these MLS clubs can compete with championship clubs. But 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 the thing about Alfonso Davies is that when he first was called up when he was fifteen, he was like six feet tall and like hundred and sixty pounds. He was a full grown man, Max. If you look at Max, Maximo in pictures, he looks like a kid. He looks like a child. Like, 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 and that's, uh, I, I don't know, stats, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, especially at the 10, which is where he operates, you do need a little bit of a physical presence. You see that around the world, right? So, for example, who's the hottest prospect at the 10 right now? Super young. He plays in Turkey, right? His name is Arda Güler. He's a 10. He's only Seventeen years old, wanted by all the top clubs. Problem with him is he doesn't even play in Turkey because he's not physically built. Or look at Arsenal, right? They signed a guy from thirty-five million from Porto, who had seventeen or like fifteen assists in the last year and a half at Porto. It's a very good league. Come to the Prem, doesn't play regularly because of the physical side of the game. And the MLS, where you know technical, where a player's technical level doesn't have to be as high for him to necessarily fit in. It is a bit more of a athletically requiring league, especially in the middle of the park. And I just think that, you know, like I look at Carrizo and he might have technical ability, but at his age and from the highlights that I've seen him in, he's nowhere near, you know, physicality wise, even just height wise, good enough for at a high enough level in that regard to be playing. I don't think you can rely on him, right? Like when I look at the team and I think, okay, how many tens do we have? He doesn't come to mind as someone who is going to play at all in the MLS. And if he does, it'll be at the end of games. Like, I think if he's playing for us, I mean, God forbid if he's starting for us, but if he's playing more than 15 minutes a game, I think we've got some pretty serious either injury issues or, or holes in our depth chart, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, the roster is, is very thin right now. Um, there's obviously a lot of young guys getting a lot of minutes during preseason right now because the city way is to do all of their transfer business as late as fucking possible, (laughs) which is incredibly frustrating as a fan base because there's all these, you sit around and every day I go on Twitter and it's, Oh, this team signed somebody, this team signed somebody, this team signed for some, like it's just, it's like five, six, seven teams signing people. And we're just sitting here with our thumbs firmly up our ass doing nothing. And they come out. They come out in the press conference, and, and Cushing says, "We're going to take our time. We're not just going to go get players for the fuck of it. We're going to make sure they fit our system. We're going to make sure they're worthwhile." What, what but at a certain point, you if you're taking, waiting so long, you're going to be getting bottom the of the barrel up. scraps. It's it's almost fucking February. The world, and you've been taking all this fucking time since the World Cup. And you you seriously going to tell me you can only sign two three players, and what like two of them are fucking free agents? Or, or from MLS that 
are fucking like what like backups on their team? Come on now. All right, well let, let, let's look at what been- let's look at what moves happened this week. All right, this week was like a punch in the fucking nuts for NYCFC. Beginning of the beginning of the week, we find out that we, that Alexander Collins is signing to Girona. All right, it comes out of, it's official that he's out, he's in he's in he's in uh, uh, Girona. He does his introductory press conference, his pictures and shit. That's a punch in the nuts. He's he's been our starting center back since the fucking third season of our existence. I think it was the second or third season. Seventeen, yeah. It was third season because Chanel came in the second season, right? Yeah, mid midway through, yeah. So yeah. 17. So he's been start, he's been our starting center back since the third season. He's grown with the club. He's he came in as a as a high top fade fucking young player who who kind of couldn't get any burn in in in, in Spain, and he, he he transformed into one of the best in the leagues one one of the best league center backs, especially ball carrying center backs in the league. Then. That if, if the beginning of the week wasn't bad enough, now we come into the end of the week, and guess what? Our fucking MLS Cup uh, uh, MVP goalkeeper since the 17 season, because we had Sounders for two years, um, Sean Johnson is going to, and I know people are going to fight me tooth and nail on this, but fucking Toronto is a rival of NYCFC, and he's going to a direct rival. He's not, I, I said this on Twitter. If he goes to Atlanta, I can understand. He's that's 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 Atlanta's his home. If he goes to play there, whatever. If he goes back to Chicago, as a feel good story to go back and do good, the hometown kid does good academy product. I get it. Those I get going back there, but to go to fucking Toronto is a big middle finger to the entire NYCFC organization. Like fuck you, I'm gonna go to Toronto, go join the Italians and try to win another cup. He's dead to me. I don't. I don't give a shit. Like. I don't care. He can come I, I, back. Listen, he, he, can, gonna... he can get a standing ovation here, and I'll, I, I just, I'll just sit in my seat, just patiently waiting for the standing ovation to be over and play the game, and just stick five I, I, past I, him. The way I see it, the way I see it, it could have been way worse. He, he could have gone to Philly. He could have gone. Why, why would he go to Philly? I, 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 Andre Blake. Why would he go to no, Philly? I'm not, say, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying he would have gone to Philly. I'm saying that there's much more. There's way bigger rivalries in our totem pole. I'm sorry, Toronto's been ash cheeks for at least three years. We haven't had a viable rivalry with Toronto since at least 2017. They just knocked uh, us out in 19. What, what happened? They knocked us out of the playoffs in 19. The fucking Penanka? You don't remember that shit? I remember that. 16 as well. I, 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 get, I get mad at Mata for that. <laughs> I'm not even... Like, 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 like Toronto, I don't even... Uh, you, like I don't even care who we were playing against. Like like Moderate is still on my shit list since that game. Like like, like, like like I just I just don't I they're just not like high up. Like like had he gone to like a team like Philly or or New Jersey, yeah, I would have had a fucking problem. But the thing is, I also think that we really need to fucking recognize something. If we don't have him in 2021, there is no MLS Cup. We have no trophy cabinet. We have nothing to hold up against our Jersey based rival or Phil Chester. PA rival, not Philly, you dumb fucks. Chester, Pennsylvania. We have nothing to hold over them. He he and also that year he was in the form of his life. He kicked up during that Pumas game and had we known how to score a fucking penalty by that time. Because we didn't real since twenty fifteen when we started, we didn't figure out how to win penalty kick shootouts until twenty twenty one. But like he made two saves in that in that PK shootout. It was the first two shots. Just like it was in the MLS Cup final, and he also made a big stop in the in, in the Eastern Conference semifinal against New England. Listen, Sean Johnson's fucking club royalty, in my opinion. Nothing is going to change that. Now, listen, am I happy about him going to a 
Toronto? Not necessarily, but the thing is, it's obvious that the club weren't pursuing him as hard as they could have, because it doesn't sound like they were absolutely going out of their way to try to re-sign him in the beginning. Like, but to begin with, they basically gave him a take-it-or-leave-it offer, and he said, well, go fuck yourself. I won the MVP in the MLS Cup Final. You'd still be dreaming about silverware had it not been for me. I'll go to these guys who are built to win right now and are willing to pay me, even if it's just a marginal amount more, a marginal amount more, to go play them and have a chance at winning a cup this year. Sean Johnson, I'm not, I'm not stoked about the move. However, it's not outside of, it's not outside of reason. It's not a direct rival, in my opinion, because I think Toronto has been fucking irrelevant since 20 since since, the, since they did the uh, what was it the treble or the double in 2017 with that stack squad. Sean Johnson's fine. I don't blame him for moving because also why? What fucking incentive does he have to stay? It's not like they haven't been fine with tearing it down completely already. All right, so if it comes out that he took if he took as much or if he took a pay cut to go to Toronto, if it comes out, will that change your opinion? It depends on the circumstances. It depends on how much NYCFC were willing to sweeten the deal to get him to stay. Now, listen, if he took like a like if okay, like, like let me give you an example. If, if we were paying him like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and and we offered that to him. And we gave that. It's like okay, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars is your new is your new uh, is is your new salary. And Toronto offered him like something along the lines of like seven hundred twenty. No, he wants to, he he wants to. And also, you have to remember, this is also a goalkeeper who's trying to stay in the United States uh, goalkeeping player pool while it's getting increasingly crowded. You still have you you, you, you still have um, Zach Steffen, who's on who might be on the periphery of the squad right now, but he can still make a push toward towards regaining that spot in 26. You've still got Ethan Horvath, who's proven to be a reliable backup. You've, you've got Gaga Slamina, who is the heir apparent at that role. And you've got Matt Turner, who's the starter right now, and is going into the prime of his career at Arsenal. He's also got to focus on his own personal growth and career. If NYCFC is tearing it all down and basically, and, and, and basically like in full rebuilding phase and dare I say it and might not make the playoffs in 2023 or even 2024 and it's instead starting to progressively tool towards that stadium opening in 2027 he's got to worry about his own person his own career and staying in that goal in, in that goalkeeping pool and what's going to do that winning championships or at least contending for them and stuff in the stat sheet so at the same time even even if he is taking a small pay cut I really can't blame him because he's got his own career to, to worry about. He wants to stay in that United States picture. I think he's probably accepted at this point that he's probably never going to be the guy there, but he wants at least a chance to show what he can do. He was never the guy. He was never going to be the guy. All right, so me and, me and Davi are firmly in the camp that take his fucking face off of the NYCFC Mount, Mount, Mount Rushmore, like fucking deceitful, snake-ass motherfucker. Um, take it off. So we're in that camp. You're Stats. still, you still love him. Let's hear what, uh, what is, what is Mister Stats over here have to say about Sean Johnson? Um, I side with Christian on this. I think that, look, look, right? He, in terms of longevity for NYCFC, I always because I, I mean I guess it's kind of like the bureau snob in me. I always want a keeper to be able to play with their feet. Sean Johnson can't do that at all, but. From the keepers that we had before Sean Johnson to when Sean Johnson started playing for us, you could see the difference in quality in terms of just pure shot stopping. It made us so much better as a team and much more reliable to have a safe pair of hands and goal. Not only was he a good keeper, he operated himself on and off the pitch fantastically. He was a great spokesperson for the team. When he was made captain, there were 
never issues. I think it was a proud moment for us NYCFC fans to also have an American be at the World Cup, regardless of if he played or not. I think his performance in the playoffs against New England, um, I mean, especially like in the final um, in MLS Cup, saving those two penalties, especially the one against Diego Valeri, where, you know, he's supposed to make the penalty at home in his last ever game. It's supposed to be a fairy tale. And then Big Sean Johnson and goal saves his penalty and ruins it. He said, that. fuck your fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So for me, look, I think because what I've seen happen in other teams, you know, like, for example, right, to compare this to another time, I think it would be worse if he pulled like a Van Persie, right, which is basically where he leaves a team after not winning a title and then goes to another team who's a title rival and then wins a team with that or wins a title with that team. He's already won what he's won with NYCFC. He's already hand delivered us a cup. In my opinion, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Sure, him going to Toronto, it's not great. But I don't think, you know, us losing a 32-year-old goalkeeper who carried us to an MLS Cup should really be the reason why, you know, that comes and hurts us. So but I mean to me, look, he's great, and I don't really feel stabbed in the back by it because I think if he does take like an 100k, 200k pay cut, that's of course different. But I think he, he was just Toronto made a good offer, and he wants to go try and win another cup. So I I, I t- spoke with someone on Twitter about this, but so actually I think it was I can't remember who it was, but anyway, so the, the, there was a cap. We weren't allowed to offer him more than because I think from season to season you're you're not, you're not allowed to make uh, more than a 15 percent increase. If yeah. you're if you're a non DP player, um, so we were capped at how much we could offer him. Like our, our like we were we had a ceiling. We couldn't we couldn't surpass it. So like I would love to see if it comes out like what our offer was. I'm sure we'll never get that because that was that was the same deal with no Cal. transparency in front office. But it's the same deal with Cal. That's why we couldn't resign him. That's why he had to eventually leave, or else we would have had to make him we would have had to make him a DP, right? Uh, this is this is the, my this is the fucking issue with like, like the MLS roster rules are fucking dumb. They're stupid, and I'm tired of pretending that they're not stupid. They just came out like with this like discovery thing, like like what a week ago, two weeks ago, right? I don't understand what the fuck it says. How has this changed since the last time? And why do we have discovery rights anyway? It's a public open market. So what it is? Let, let, let teams pursue players. And listen, it's not like any of these team owners are struggling for money. Invest in your fucking club. That's the only way this league's going to get better. That's the only way your team's going to get better. Moneyball does not work. It's worked on one occasion in the history of sports. Moneyball is a failure. I'm tired of hearing about Moneyball. Fuck Billy Bean for making that a thing, by the way. And fuck that movie for advertising it. It's not a thing. The only team that's ever made it work was Leicester City in the Premier League. That's it. It's the only team in history that's ever made Moneyball work. Every other team's fall fall on time their face. And then right afterwards, the fact they, that we, they dismantled Leicester. How the fuck did the fast KC discover Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo? No, so he, so let, let, me, let me explain discovery. So they got rid of the allocation order. Um, so pretty much it makes it now so that when it, when, it, when a high-profile player comes to the league, um, there used to be an, an order of allocation that if they get first order of refusal, if they want the player or not. And then there was a lot of like Tam and Gam being transferred back and forth, especially the, the fuckers over in uh, Cincinnati. They're the ones who pretty much single-handedly got rid of this allocation order because this past season before they got Miaga, um, yeah, Miaga, um, they were uh, constantly trading their allocation order for like Tam Gam. Um, so pretty much what, so they got, they got rid of the allocation order. St. Louis city gets a one time, uh, dibs on a player. Essentially they chose Josh Sargent as their one time dibs person. 
They get for, so if if good, ever good luck with so that. it's two thousand twenty three. Um, I don't foresee Josh Sargent coming to the MLS anytime soon. But like if in two thousand and thirty one, <laughs> um, Josh or two thousand thirty seven, two thousand thirty five. Josh Sargent decides that he wants to come play in MLS, and St. Louis City is still a team in MLS. They get first order refusal of, of him coming back. It's so you know at least at least he gets to go back home. At least he gets yeah. Well, that's why they did it. They they did it because he's yeah. he's he's a St. Louis boy. So, um. So pretty much now what happens is every every team has a list. I think of five or seven, um, discovery, uh, discovery rights. Now, the way I've been explained to this is it's not like oh we discovered you. It's just like essentially dibs, like like every and you can you can change this list. You can drop players and add players, but if you drop a player, someone else can add them. So I was listening to another podcast, and they made mention that they they, they didn't go into specifics onto who's on whose list, but they did mention some names that are on those lists. Like for example, Cristiano Ronaldo was on SKC's um, for somehow, um, but also I'm not sure what team he's what team's list he's on, but but Quadu Quadu Poku. Is on somebody's discovery list. Uh, he's he's on some UPSL team. Or no, no like MLS. That. He's on some MLS's. He's on he's on an MLS's team uh, discovery list. Quadruple. They, they didn't say who specifically, right? They just said no. he, he's he's just on someone's list. Yeah, he's on somebody's uh, list. So, so if that's the case, then I do think we have to worry about Alan Senora because guess where Alan Senora was born? New York, New Jersey. Born in New Jersey. Yeah, he wasn't born in New York. Shit. So, who do you think has his discovery rights? Shit. Yeah. So, so we—that's not public knowledge. This is the dumb what, shit. Who's on whose list? But once again, you can you. Uh, so another, another something else that's that's going to happen is is um, Tam Gam is going to be used to buy people off of people's discovery rights. But to see that's out that's money that should be allocated for deals. Like so, your your general allocated money, your target allocated money, also has a factor. Like, like as to what uh, as to what you can pay players on your roster, that's a very fucking dumb use of resources. This entire convoluted MLS roster system needs to go. Listen, if you want to have a salary cap, that's fine. Have a fucking salary cap. At least raise it up ten million dollars. So imagine if MLS at this point right now raised the salary cap. Each team can spend ten million dollars more than they did before. That's still not a whole lot compared. To around the world where they can pay you pretty much anything that you want, but that's still a significant amount of money. Look how MLS rosters are being built right now. Imagine what imagine what teams could do with an extra ten million, twenty million dollars in the bank. Imagine what they that, could that's, do. That's, like an and extra, also, that's an extra wonder kid or two you can bring from South America. And also, and also, discovery rights for some players who have never even come to, who have never even had any kind of interaction with these clubs. Alan Senora has never been in an MLS academy in his life. His first academy was Boca Juniors, and then moved to Independiente. Like he's never even touched the MLS system. Never even came close. Didn't go to college. None of it. His father was an Argentine who played here for a brief period of time. He was born here. He was pretty much raised in Argentina and was brought up through those systems. Same with his brother Joel, who's who you know who knows where he's at right now. I know he's I know he's in Portugal. Dobby, like to your point, like no, you said, that he's it. available for free. Both of, both of the Senor brothers are unattached. They're both available on freeze. Oh, they're unattached. There you go. I would say pick up both of them if you can. Sign one to a DP contract that's super maxed out. Sign one to a contract that's about half that. And tell your brother, split the remainder excess with your brother. Is that pretty is much Joel what they're doing with Santos? What about the Polish striker? 
Uh, well, hold on. Is Joel a nine? That's, that's a question I have. Joel Senor, is he a nine? They're both midfielders. They are both midfielders? All right. All right, so um, let's move. So, did, did you guys get a chance to see the Vuk Lutinovic Estonia video? Yeah, I, yo, yo, what, what the fuck was that? Yeah. So I, I did. I found it on. I found it on Instagram and Twitter. Um, it's this. So Vuk signed to some random fucking club in Estonia uh, this week, um, and it's like this video where he's being interrogated by a fake police officer, and he's like, it's just really bad acting on Vuk's part and the and the other guy's part. Uh, but it's just some sort of it's just like a promo video for the team that he signed for. Like at the end of the, at the end of the interrogation of him being interrogated by the uh, like first of all, Vuk is speaking like he's the Terminator <laughs> in, the, in the video. Like, he's like, I come from NYCFC in the United States MLS. What position do you play? I play center back. <laughs> it's just it's very bad acting. But anyways, yeah. So Vuk, it's Vuk, very uh, odd. I can't believe that Vuk is still a professional soccer player, but he is. He is a professional soccer player in Estonia. Um, moving on. Well, uh, Mi- what? Uh, no, 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 no. Let's move on. Let's yeah, move um, on. Uh, so Nietzsche Lenick, um, he, he joined the, uh, he, he came to New York city. He joined the, the team in California. Um, I don't think he's gotten any burn yet, um, in the scrimmage, but, um, he's here. Um, I, I personally, I mean, I think we talked about in the last pod, I, I get, I get some Angelino vibes from him. I, I think that he's a, I think that he's a, a, a young and experienced, uh, attacking defender. Um, who uh, who can pr- help provide us with an attacking option at right back? Because I I've I've not been shy in my expressions that um, Tavon Gray does provides next to nothing going forward. He cannot whip in a quality ball. He cannot take people on take people on one on one while dribbling. He doesn't have that kind of he doesn't possess that ability at least at this moment. Um, and I do not think that Tavon Gray is a long term solution at right back. I think that he should be transitioned back to playing center back. He is very good defensively, but provides nothing going forward. His sole contribution going forward in an NYCFC uniform was service to Santiago Rodriguez against the New England Revolution in in minute like four of the fucking playoff game in 2021. He hasn't done nothing outside of that offensively. Um, so I, mean, I hope that Micha can get some time, um, and then eventually I, I do before before the, the before the All Star break. Micha Lenick is going to be our starting right back. I'll put money on that right now. I doubt it. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to say maybe. Um, I really just, I really think it depends on the system. And I also think it's going to be dependent on how much Tavon has developed as a player, you know, since then. Because you have to remember 2021 was his first year in a professional jersey. That was his sophomore year last year. He's still got plenty of growth and he's got a lot of talent, that kid. And, and we've seen that he, he has the potential to possibly be a threat going forward i remember I mean, so he's only 20 he's only 20 yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah you you mentioned the santi assist in the 2021 uh mls cup playoff i remember at red bull arena when he did this beautiful la croqueta through the red bull defense and actually put a decent shot on goal that was saved and uh, like he, he's got a little bit of sauce to him I, I i do think he's got tons of potential i do think Ilanich is a is a thing for the future i do think that's going to be somebody that we hold on to maybe for like four five seasons and then probably try to flip him back to uh to europe because right now his european offers weren't amazing you know there was Sturm Graz in austria i think there might have been like one other team that he was linked to not n- nothing close to the top 10 leagues in, in europe and and so like i do think like mls was the right choice for him um i i i think it's i do think that Ilanich can break through into the starting 11 um and uh 
Yeah, and 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 we'll see. You know what happens from there, but I I still think that it's Tavon's spot to lose this year, personally. What do you think, uh, stats? I think the problem with Tavon is that you can put him in the as more of a center back, but you know, playing with a back three, for example, if you were to do that, he can't pass the ball. Like he's an awful progressive passer. His pass completion is okay solely because he makes a lot of short passes to whoever's playing right center back, typically Chanel or Martins, whatever it is. But playing forward, picking his head up and trying to find a pass anywhere from 10 yards plus up the pitch, is he's completely useless at that. So if you're playing him at a center back, you kind of hope that he develops his passing range because at CB, especially in a team where we don't know how good we're going to be and you might need to just play the ball forward, I don't know. I mean, I certainly have no confidence in that. I think he has ability, you know, defensively 1v1, which is why I think he should stick out wide. He just needs to improve on going forward. The thing with Kufre is Kufre does go forward. He goes forward a lot. He's actually a very good crosser of the ball. It's going to be refreshing. We haven't had a good crosser since Terrarinson, probably. Yeah, yeah. I was actually a big Terrarinson guy, though. Like, I thought Terrarinson could really put in a good ball. Kufre's guy who really likes to get forward. He can play further forward when, you know, like if that's what Cushing wants. If Cushing wants to play a three at the back in possession and a five at the back in defense, Kufre can definitely be the guy out wide, which, by the way, I mean, my feelings on Cushing haven't really changed. I think he's horrific, but that's hey, still, five. I like you know. You. <laughs> but, but still, I, I'd say that to your point, Joe, actually about the Angelino point, I think Kufre is actually kind of more suited to be that Angelino. One, yes, they play the same side, and yes, both of them speak Spanish. But two, also going forward, they do offer something going forward. Opposite sides. Angelino is a left back. Uh, Elenic is a right back. No, no, no. no. I, I'm saying I think he was talking about Kufre. Yeah, oh, Kufre. I'm saying to Angelino's yeah. point, I think. Kufre can actually be that guy um, because going forward, they're both definitely adept at doing that. I think for Lenic, it's just hard for me to imagine an 18-year-old Slovenian who probably doesn't speak any English playing immediately or playing really at all this season. The only reason why I say that is because I would love him to play. But even just look at the Brazilians that we bring in. Like there are South American wonder kids we bring in who were playing decently regular soccer in Brazil or Argentina prior or you know prior to coming to NYCFC who who don't play for the first month and a half who don't play for the first two months when they play it's for the last five minutes of games so you know I hope he can play but we also like don't really know his abilities at all he played in Slovenia for a team's under 19s and got a few minutes you know with the upper squad so it's tough to say with him I'm really excited about Kufre though um and I think you know, just going back to Alenich, you know, I hope he plays, but also, I mean, I hope Cushing does what's best for the team, right? So if Taylon Gray is still a better option this first year, and if Alenich is taking time to really mesh with the team, I'd rather him not force anything. I think we're all in agreement that this year could maybe surprise us and be good, but it'll most likely not necessarily be the best year we've ever had, for sure. And I think if you just kind of accept that and take that as more of a progressing season where you have guys like Alenich grow, guys like Tavon Gray grow, and then try and build out the squad. I wouldn't be mad at the lip. I I, ex- I expect us to actually um, be competitive from next year and beyond. I think up until that stadium, 
uh, opening up and then, you know, signing, signing someone, uh, huge, like a Europe, big European name, you know, um, for the Kevin De Bruyne, for example, I mean, I think for me, in my opinion, Kevin De Bruyne would be perfect uh, to go along in that stadium. Um, but I think this year we should, I think we should tamper. I think we should water down expectations. I think we should lower them a little bit. I think, um, I think if we get in uh, as a wild card team, you know, as a, as a fourth or fifth seed in the playoffs, you know, get to the get to the conference semis. I think that's I think that will be considered a good year, um, mainly because we tore everything down and we're going younger. Um, we're, we're really building for the future here. That's that's what we are. Um, but um, you know, I I think we should we should water down expectations. I don't think we should be expecting to win MLS Cup. You know, just like um, well, what we were expecting last year. You know, when, when we were coming off a. Of, uh, an MLS Cup championship, you know, uh, came within one one game from back to back MLS Cup appearances. Um, you know, I think we should water down expectations. I think if we make the playoffs as a wild card team, I, I'll, I'll happily take a fourth or fifth um, finish in the Eastern Conference. If we finish above fourth to go like first to third, I think that that'll be like pleasantly surprising. But I don't I don't expect us to really finish up high, just like the pre- previous seasons. Uh, I think I think so this is really for the future. So I do want to point something out about Mitra Ilinich. Mitra Ilinich actually did debut for Domjal, like his first team. Like, uh, what, what, like uh, he actually got some minutes like this past year. So, so between 2021 and 2023, he did have 32 appearances for Domjal and also chipped in with three goals. So, I mean, but the thing is, it's also you also have we we I would be remiss to not say. This is Slovenia we're talking about. The level of play is probably not very high, which makes I, I definitely I would definitely I, I definitely think NYCFC in its current state would probably walk into Slovenia and probably dominate. Uh, but um, he does have he is used to playing up against grown men, and he did make his debut at seventeen. Um, and uh, you know, up until October, they were Domjal like really really wanted him. You know, like really rely on him they, they signed him to a three-year extension and just this past october so um you know like like i i, I do think that you know it's I, I i do think he's ready for the game the question is is he going to be right for our system right now immediately because there is going to be some adjustments that have to be made and it is a very athletic league as stats pointed out earlier and right now i do think Tavon is still our best option and I still think it's Tavon's spot to lose. I just wanted to point out that that Nietzsche Illinich does have a significant, it, it's not extensive, but it is a significant amount of um, a first team experience. Isn't Elenic around the same age that we got when we when we got Angelino? Yeah, yeah I do some, young, some young punk 18 year old. Like, uh, that, like that's what Angelino was when he came to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah Angelino, he was either 18 or he was 19. How quickly did Angelino become our starting left back? Uh, immediately, but then again, that was also inaugural year. We also have to caveat, put the caveat on that. And that was also um, that was also our uh, our inaugural year. And who even was our fucking left? Chris Winger. Yeah, it was that Winger. Was it was Winger. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's not too tough to to remove Chris Winger. Yeah, but all he has to do is beat out Tavon Gray. Tavon Gray is not even a classically trained right back. He's a fucking center back. I, I mean, but the thing is, Tavon Gray does have. Listen, he was our starting right back when we won an MLS Cup. He was our starter. No, he wasn't. Fucking Tinnerholm was. Tavon was just there because of because of a necessity <laughs> because of an injury. Yes, but the thing is, Joe, that's still 
that's still a resume and that's still plenty of experience. That's and still something very admirable at 19. As well, well, he didn't earn the position. He was yeah. thrusted into the position. Yes, but I mean, still, I mean, I mean, listen, he's the only one with any notches under his belt at this point at the right back position with this team. And he's came up through their academy system. He's been attached to us. He's been playing in our system since 2017. Since he, he hasn't a earned anything. Listen, he, he, he was our starting right back for that entire playoff run. He was our starting right back through most 2022 as well because Tenderholm couldn't go. And, the, and we had... And, and all in all, we had a pretty good 2022. The moment Tinnerholm was healthy, he lost his spot. Yeah, but the moment Tinnerholm was healthy, Nick Cushing was also a coach. So I don't think we can put too much stock into that. Uh, underneath Dyla last year, Tavon Gray was performing pretty well up until that middle point where we lost Dyla and Tati in in, in that like one month span. I, I really do think that we need to take. I, I, listen, I want Misha Illinitz to succeed here. I want him to excel here. And I do think he's going to be all right back in the future. I do think it's it, it, that that's why we're buying. That's why we have two young bucks here. I don't even think we should expect to have Tavon for much longer. I do think that some some team is going to catch on and is going to see that he has the tools and the athletic ability to be a, a very, very good professional and possibly move up and go wrong. But the thing is, I still think it's Tavon's job to lose, in my opinion. No, it's, I, I it's Tavon's job by default because there is there was nobody else. Yeah, but even with Illinich in, it's like Stats pointed out. Usually, when players come here, they're they're not getting burned until at least a month and a half after the after they're here. It's usually limited to cameos at like fifteen minutes max. Yeah, so yeah, so what, what, you could basically expect Tavon Gray to be the starter for the next. Well, the the biggest limiting factor to Gabriel Pereira's development is going to be Tavon Gray playing right back because Tavon cannot get him the ball. Everyone on the field knows it, and that's why all of our attacks start going on the left flank because Tavon sucks at passing. I I, I don't agree with that. I I I think the reason why we're loading up the left side of the left side of the field is because we have nobody good on that left side of the field. I'm sorry, Chris Chris Gloucester is a fucking tragedy. He's tragic to watch. Like, like I, 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 when I say this, I mean it with everything in my being. I would rather have Chris Wingard that, or, or RJ Allen over there. That, like, I mean that with every fiber of my being. Chris Gloucester is, a, is, is fucking hopeless. Melda Amundsen, I don't fucking like Melda. I think he's, I think he's a fucking liability. He got displaced in a three-back system by a second-round super draft pick. Uh, like it's five years after the super draft has become irrelevant for this club, who's never played left back in his career. He got displaced by that guy. He got displaced by Kevin O'Toole. Melda Amundsen and Chris Gloucester, trash. You and, he, and you need something there. Tavon Gray is at least serviceable. You have to give him that. He's at least serviceable. He's serviceable, minimum. but, he, but he, he limits he limits the right the, the attack going on the right side because he can't pass or dribble. <laughs> But the thing is, with a guy like Gabby in front of him, you don't need him to be an attacking. You don't need to be him to be to be an attacking threat. You don't need to. We How much better do we look we last year a, when Tinnerholm came back and started doing his overlapping runs with, with, on on the right side? We looked exponentially listen, better. Listen, are you are you are you ready for this? I didn't think Anton Tinnerholm looked that great when he came I mean, back he after like his injury. Here. I thought he looked okay. I thought he looked okay. He didn't. He wasn't his old self. He wasn't his twenty eighteen old self. He a far cry from it. He was definitely he. It looked like it wasn't as bad of a drop off as Abair, but it was still 
It was still looking at it still looked like he was playing Anton Kidder. At least he made an attempt to make forward runs. Tavon doesn't get forward. Well, this year with this with the state that our fucking defense is, maybe that's a fucking good thing. <laughs> the state that our defense is in this year and the state and the state of depth that we have in our in our midfield, maybe that's not an entirely bad thing. And also, Maybe having a defensive-minded fullback is the perfect recipe for success. Stats over here um, likes Goody. I'd like to point out that uh, Amundsen knocked off knocked Goody out of his starting spot, and then Goody knocked him out again. He was uh, good. Listen, Goody. The thing is, Amundsen is a lot more athletic. He's got more pace and he's got more size than Goody. Goody's not a fast player. That's the thing. The, the trade-off with Goody is that he's not fast at all, but he's technically gifted. He's good with the ball at his feet, and he's good at whipping the ball in, and he's great on set pieces. And that's and that's invaluable in a league where a lot of people are not. So yeah, you know, I mean, he's sets, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's anti MLS is basically what Goody Torrance is, where he's not athletic, but he's good technically. And normally, at the fullback position, it's the exact opposite of that in this league. And it was quite refreshing, actually, like the balls that he could put in. Just quickly on the Tavon Gray thing. I do agree with both of you. So having a fullback who can over, who can consistently overlap a winger makes it infinitely easier for a winger because then that fullback who's defending has to drop off a little bit if he doesn't, if he's not receiving help to go and track the person who's overlapping. That being said, I think Tavon Gray does get forward to try and overlap. Not necessarily like it's not like it's something that he does. It's not necessarily that he's you know a super big threat because people aren't really worried about his crossing ability on an overlap. I think it depends on our back shape, right? Because if we play a three at the back, and if Tavon Gray is playing almost as like a right wing back where he has a bit more freedom to go forward, I think he'll still be able to and be able to overlap Gabby Pereira. I think that Tavon Gray, look, I think I've been pretty vocal on Twitter that I'm not a big Tavon Gray guy. But, I mean, he's definitely serviceable. And to Christian's point, when you compare Chris Gloucester to Tavon Gray. I mean, I, I think Tavon Gray is okay. Like, I think Chris Gloucester is bad. And I think there's a pretty big gap between Tavon Gray and Chris Gloucester because when Chris Gloucester steps onto the field, it's like, oh, I think we might lose this game because Chris Gloucester's on the field, right? Meanwhile, with Tavon Gray, it's like Tavon Gray isn't going to win you a game, but he's also probably not going to lose you a game either, right? He's just a guy who's just kind of there, which in a lot of teams in the MLS is kind of their right back. You know what I mean? Like, he's just there. And I think Tavon Gray, if he can improve a little bit, offensively because we know what he can do with 1v1 defending if he can overlap Pereira and make himself an option and whoever we have on the left if they do that and if we're playing with the back three I think it can definitely be a serviceable system he needs to improve his passing though like I said like his passing is awful he needs to be a threat to just, you know to whip the ball in but I think if he gets forward it's definitely helpful and Gabby Pereira is pretty good so you know if he isn't if Gabby Pereira doesn't have someone overlapping I think he can still definitely be serviceable I also still I also want to emphasize that this is still a player with plenty of room for growth. Like like Tavon Gray is a player that excelled with the with the U.S. U seventeen side. He excelled with them. There were so many reports coming out of their camps that this kid is a standout, and he's only twenty years old. This is not his final form. Oh, we're talking about Gray or Gloucester right now. We're still we're still talking about Gray. Oh, Gray. Okay. the less we talk about Gloucester on this podcast, the fucking better off we all are. I, I, I want to ignore his existence, and considering the fact that he's currently still home in New York with an illness allows me to do that. He's he still home exist, with an illness? Let's move on. Uh, well, I, 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 I don't know. Like, what's if he's really still going home, on, he definitely has is, a bit. 
Well, listen, I wouldn't even be surprised if that was an excuse just for Cushion to not have to see him anymore. <laughs> so here's the, here's the thing. We're talking about a player who is 20 years old. This is not Gray's final form at all. He's only going to get better from here on out. And if he is able, and listen, if you're, you're talking about a player who the only thing missing from his game right now, the only thing that's missing from his game right now is a presence in the attacking third. If he can figure that part of his game out, you have one of the more dangerous right backs in the league because he is a very good defender, a very good defender. And, and, and if he becomes even a decent attacking fullback, you, you have a fullback who is extremely dangerous. Not, and not just that, he's also valuable in the transfer market, which is what we should be treating Tavon as, a project that we're trying to make viable on both ends of the, of, of the play, whether it be a defense or the attack, um, who, who still has room for development. He's still young enough to develop. He's nowhere close to his prime. He doesn't turn 21 until this summer. And so, yeah, uh, no, I, I am still firmly in, in, in the camp that Tavon Gray is our starting right back indefinitely until, until further notice. And until somebody steps up and grabs that position from him, I don't know if Illinich is going to do that. We'll see. It's a, it's going to be a long season, and but I'm still I'm still sold that Tafon is the guy, and Illinich is going Illinich is going to get his minutes. I promise you that he's going to get his minutes. I think I think um, come the end of the season, I think we'll see Illinich uh, play uh, right back as a starter. Listen, maybe I'm not going to rule that out. I'm not going to say that this kid Illinich isn't going to earn a starting spot on the squad this year. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go out of my way to make that prediction. I am saying that come February twenty first, February twenty fifth, and through at least June, Tavon will be the starter, minimum, bare minimum, unless he absolutely stinks up the joint. He ain't losing that job. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I completely agree with that, Sam. I mean, I, I said I said by the All Star break. So when is that? That's like uh, August. It's about like August, something like that. So somewhere in the summer. All right. Yeah, it's like and who it's like, it's like end of August. Game anyway. it's, like, it's like middle to end of August. The All All right. Right. So we we dedicated a lot of time to talking about the gray. I, I, at least it it um it promotes a, a healthy um healthy uh. Rivalry and competition uh, between the two, uh, which is only going to sh- iron sharpens iron, right? Um, so I mean, it's going to it's going to make everyone, yeah. make everyone better. Uh, so yeah. um, with with the news of Sean Johnson leaving, pretty much uh, like five minutes after the, the the social media post of him leaving, we got the social media post that Matt Fries um, from uh, from Philadelphia or Chester Union <laughs> um, signs oh, yeah. uh, signs yeah. to NYCFC. Uh, many of you guys might know Matt well, Fries as the, the, the back-to-back what if cup champions, yeah. Philadelphia uh, or Chester Union. Yes, and Matt, Matt Fries's uh, claim to fame uh, is that he uh, conceded the Talos Magno goal in the 2021 Eastern Conference Final to send uh, NYCFC to their first ever cup. So that was uh, he had to play in the COVID game because Andre Blake had a little too much fun, had a party, and couldn't play. Um, so um, pretty much what I know about him is that he is a technically classified as a Union homegrown. Um, and that he played a couple years of college ball at Harvard. Yes, you heard that right, Harvard. Um, and uh, had a little smartest on the team. Huh? And he, yeah, I mean, we're, we're collecting Ivy League, Ivy League uh, guys. So, um, 
Yeah, so he played at Harvard, and then um, and then for the past couple of years, he's been toiling away with uh, with the Philadelphia as their second keeper, um, and he couldn't get any burn because Andre Blake is one of the best keepers in MLS. Um, so what, what do you guys? Uh, so we have a um, we have a Twitter question, uh, which I guess we'll get to it now because it's based about Matt, around Matt Fries. Um, but uh, do we think that? Uh, so he, oh, so let me let me talk to you about the uh, the, the contract or, and and how much we're paying for him. Uh, we're sending three hundred and fifty thousand in alloca- in general allocation money, which includes two hundred thousand from this year's GAM and one hundred and fifty from next year's GAM, um, and then up to an additional four hundred thousand in performance based incentives. So that's a lot of GAM for someone who could potentially not be the starter. So this this puts a lot of pressure on Barraza, right? So, so yeah, it puts pressure on Barraza, and and you know what? I'm willing to go out right now and say Matt Freeze will be our starting goalkeeper uh, this season. Fuck uh, no! Uh, fuck uh, no! Uh, fuck no! Davi can fuck say no. fuck no all he wants. That's, Barraza time. That's, that's it a is lot of Barraza that's time. Lot, that's a lot time. of money. That's a lot of money. So to what? Spend on somebody who's going. Who, that's a lot of money to be so what? sitting on your bench that you don't want sitting on your bench. So what? And don't. Also, don't. All right, so what? Don't don't even fucking Dabby, play. Don't Dabby, pay them okay, the money. Let's, don't pay those Dabby, bastards Dabby, the money. Dabby, let them run on the bench. Dabby, I, I need you. I need you to come. Listen, we're going to have to pay him the money anyway. It's part of the deal. It's three hundred fifty thousand this year and two hundred fifty thousand next. Three hundred fifty thousand. One showed up their ugly ass. That's that. That's six hundred thousand dollars, Dobby. That's that, that's chump change around the world, not in MLS. Now listen. Also, hold your hold your little horses there. <laughs> Buckaroo. No, and I want you to listen for a second. Matt Freeze comes highly recommended. He's he has a history of Bertugan. Uh all the scouting reports are basically state that if Andre Blake wasn't as good as he if he wasn't the best goalkeeper in MLS, which he is, let's just call it call it call a spade a spade, Matt Freeze would easily be the starter and could start probably on most MLS squads. He's going to be the guy. He's got a good pedigree. He looks really good. Uh, and also, let's not forget that in that COVID Cup game, his defense left him out to dry, especially on that fucking winning goal from Talis Magno. Goody was able to pick that right back's pocket and then just easily square the ball across to Talis. By the, by the way, the, back, easily slot it. By the way, the right back is a uh, starter for Cameroon, and he went to the World Cup. Yeah, well, he's ass. So, <laughs> Uh, and Bizo. I, I don't even remember Bizo, his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever his name is. Um, Matt Freeze will be the starting goalkeeper this year. Listen, I don't mind Barraza, but I think we've all seen enough of him at this point to where we know that his longevity as a starting goalkeeper at the professional level, at the top flight level, probably not. Doesn't really have too much of a high ceiling. He doesn't. Sh- he, he he doesn't really command the box. I don't think he can command the back line. When I look at a guy like Freeze, he seems to have the talent, when, especially when it comes to shot shot stopping. He seems to be a decent shot stopper. And from the sounds of it, he's pretty decent with the ball at his feet as well. So, and in order to play in that CFG system, now listen, uh, we talk about Sean Johnson. Sean's up, Sean, when Sean Johnson came over to NYCFC, he had no really no experience of playing the ball out of the back. And playing the ball with his feet over over the course of some time, he became very serviceable, if not flat out decent at it. Right? Where, where his distribution wasn't, it was never like he was never like 
great at it. Like, I think we can all admit that. But he was, he was decent enough. I, I never, I, he didn't make too many dumb turnovers, you know, like like on his own accord. You know, it was mostly on, on the defense's part whenever there was a turnover at the back. I, 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 I listen, plus the $400,000 in incentives, that's a million dollars. If you factor all that in, that's a million dollar goalkeeper. That's, that's a lot of money to spend on a goalkeeper in MLS. And if you're willing to spend that much money, obviously there's a need for it, but you can pluck out any kind of goalkeeper to provide like a third option or be a backup. You don't necessarily need to dump out $350,000 worth of cash up front and then, and then plus an, an additional 250000 guaranteed uh, the next season to find a backup goalkeeper. They're not, CFG can say, oh, we're here to harbor competitiveness. No, the fact is Cushing and Dioa and everybody else who Baraz has played under has seen what Baraz's game is. Know that he's not a viable option to be an everyday starter. He's decent when you can go to him in a pinch, but he doesn't have the juice or the talent or the skill to be a 34-game a, a starter. 30, or No one's going to play 34 games. Like Let's say like a 30-game starter uh, in, in, in the league. But like he, he he doesn't have it. It's it's not in his it's not, it's not in his makeup to be that. And paying this much money that that's that screams starting goalkeeper to me. I don't know, Davi. Tell me, give me what some dumb reason as to why that that that's wrong. I don't know. Fuck no, bro. bro no, no, it's no, it's Barraza's time. He's been he's waited patiently. He's, he's been the number two for what like four or five years now. The, no, I think he's it's been here time. for three seasons, bro. We just drafted him recently. He has he's not that old. 2019, so he's been like, he's like 25. So it's been like three, four years. It's pretty old. It's just, I'd say, I'd say, give him a chance. I think he's actually pretty decent. He's 26, actually. He's 26. Give him a chance. He looked, he looked pretty decent in the in the few cup games outside of the Ripples game and and in the Campionas yeah, Cup. He's actually looked pretty decent. So, and I, I yeah, think yeah, he does. Yeah, but dec- Go ahead. De- decent doesn't get you much. He's a he's a backup. We ba- we've barely seen anything from him. He's played like what, like five games, like in twenty twenty one when Johnson fucked off for the for the Gold Cup, and it was and it was pretty good then. He just he, he can he can distribute the ball. He's he got he got the one assist. I think it was what was his first start against Montreal. He got the assist. He just fucking booted that shit up, and then uh, Goody Terrence and uh, or no Goody Terrence and uh, Ishmael Tajiri Shradi got the little chip. Uh, over the keeper. That was some horrid defense. Yeah, if, that's, if we're being honest, though, that's some horrid defense. They, 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 they honestly should have done better. The keeper as well. The, they should have done better on that goal. No, I, I think I think it's Barraza's time. I All think right. it's Barraza's hey, time to shine. Davi, here's some statistics for you. NYCFC stats. Correct me if I'm wrong. Barraza has 17 appearances across all competitions since he's joined NYCFC. In those 17 appearances, he's conceded 25 goals. not terrible but it's also very limited i don't know stats what do you think about what do you think about this whole entire thing because we're arguing amongst ourselves what do you think a third-party perspective who's not biased towards you know either one of our confirmation biases um look so the first thing is is that just about how much we're paying for matt freeze i think as as has been talked about the whole like mls roster payment system is absolute nonsense so like i don't really understand tam and gam and like all that it's no one does you're not alone yeah like it sounds like like we're paying a decent amount of money for this guy and you're paying a decent amount of money and for how much 
sounds like we're paying. You don't really spend that much on a backup. To me, Freeze, actually, I thought he was pretty good against us. I remember he made this save, um, a save against us where it was like... He made a, a save on Collins where it was like a, it was like a yeah. little chip cross and then Collins got a header to it. Yeah, he made a pretty good save there. I've also just been like scrolling through Twitter and Union fans seem pretty high on him. But who, I mean, look, I mean, Andre Blake's the best keeper in the league. So then you're really not going to play ahead of him, right? So I think to me specifically about Barraza, he doesn't really fill me with confidence just because when I see him play, I don't see him talking to the back line. I don't see him like just a presence of Barraza versus Sean John, for example. And look, I get that Sean John's, what, a 33-year-old keeper and is now an MLS Cup winner who has caps for the United States. I'm not comparing their resumes. Obviously, Sean Johnson's the captain, and so the way he conducts himself will be a little bit different. But when I see Braza in goal, I see a guy who might be like a little bit of a skilled goalkeeper, but I think he's great when your starter gets injured for three games and need your backup to come in, and he can be definitely a good serviceable backup. I think Matt Freeze has more potential to be an actual better goalkeeper because, one, I think Matt Freeze is development at the union as a backup keeper sounds like it's gone very well people speak very highly of them meanwhile i think for barraza i i you know I'm, I'm just not entirely sold on him and i think if the club was sold on barraza they wouldn't go out and make this move for matt freeze i think they would have just gone out and gotten a backup keeper who's maybe a free agent and not spent as much money in gam or whatever it is i think if they had that confidence in barraza you wouldn't be looking at us bringing in matt freeze for the amount that we did because i'm sure there are american free agent goalkeepers who could do a serviceable job as a backup so i think that kind of tells you what to think about barraza like competition is good but when you're bringing in a guy for this amount of money versus a guy who's a super draft pick or whatever it was for Barraza, I think kind of like the monetary value that's attached with both players kind of tells you the club's standpoint. But I'd love to be proven wrong, but I just think for the amount they're paying for freeze, it's it feels a bit unlikely. Here's a little tidbit. Um, Matt Freeze has signed to the club like 17 seconds ago, and he got thrusted into the second half of today's scrimmage against LAFC and did not concede a goal. But Barraza conceded a goal in the first half. Which may or may not be Barraza's fault to be in all It was a rebound goal that he conceded. Yeah, okay. So I don't can't really do much there. Yeah, if you're making the initial save as a goalkeeper, my. Like, I would imagine that you're counting on your defense to clean up the trash in front of the net. So, you know, I'm not going to. Because obviously we're not watching these games, right? We only have these vague match reports and we, to we go off. We of. can't even watch them because they're not even televised. Well, the, the, like the match report streams. says Barraza then did well to tip a powerful effort onto the crossbar, but the rebound fell kindly to LAFC to open the scoring from close range on the half hour. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. he got him better lucky there. He got him better lucky. So, so, so listen, like Stat said, I'm all for competition. I'm all for being proven wrong. Listen, if Barraza's a starter on February 25th. More power to him. I'm not going to cry about that. I don't think Baraz is a liability necessarily. Like Stetson, I think he's a very serviceable, reliable goalkeeper who can jump in there in a pinch and do a job for you. And kind of like how Stats also pointed out about Tavon, he's not a guy who's going to win you a game, but he could. He, he's not going to be necessarily a guy to lo- lose you a game either. Now, I will say this. Baraz's performance in the U.S. Open Cup against the Red Bulls was fucking abysmal. Now, now, obviously, conceding three goals, a lot of things can go into that, and we weren't necessarily effective that night, period. It was also Cushing's first night on the job, 
So you have to kind of, and it's a cup game as well. So you kind of. And we also went down to ten men. Yeah, we did go down to ten men. How, however, there was one play specifically where Barraza came off of his line to try to make a stop, but he kind of stopped like halfway. In my opinion, listen, I'm not a coach. I don't. I'm not a former player. I'm just an onlooker. You know, I'm just a fan. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. In my opinion, if you come off of your line, I feel that you should commit to that, to that motion. If you're coming off the line, you better be going all the way and trying to close that window and close that gap as quickly as possible. So that way they have as little space as possible to get off a decent shot. Instead, what he did was, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on audio, I don't even know if it can be available in video, but whatever. Basically, I'm basically doing what he did. He came off his line and then kind of like, Stops for like a like a full second. It felt like, and let Lewis Morgan just fucking clown him in that game. And that was one point where I do. And also there was a second goal. I can't recall it off the top of my mind, but I remember leaving the stadium saying that was on him as well. And now, granted, he got some starts during the regular season where he did did okay. But I, I, I did we lose a game with him in net in the regular season? Well, how many games did he play last season? Like two. Played against Montreal. Who I don't. Else did he play? I don't think. He, I don't think he played uh, in the regular season in 2022. It was in 2021 where we played. It was. Are you? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 2021 uh, where Johnson was called up for the Gold Cup. Uh, no, but he definitely started. A, he definitely started Johnson's the game. Been an yeah, yeah. He doesn't, I want to say doesn't miss many games. Yeah, it was at Campionas Cup. Campionas yeah, Cup. Yeah, yes, yeah, he, he played the clean sheet of that game, and he did play. Yeah, and he played decently in Campionas Cup. I remember him playing pretty good in Campionas Cup, and I remember him playing. Awful in uh, in All right, well, uh, in that U.S. Open Cup match. Here's the one problem with talking about Luis Barraza up until today, or up until before preseason, is that he every every game that he was in goal, he had a stout senior defense in front of him. He had Alexander Collins. He had Maxime Cheneau. He had Anton Tinnerholm. He had um. Goody Thorarinson slash Amundsen, like like so he had a pretty senior defense in front of him. Now rolling into this year, the defense is very different than it was. So it, like there, it might be a little more leaky. It might like like so he might need to be a little bit raise his level because he might be facing more shots than he had previously because the defense is, looks different than it did when he was in goal the past couple seasons. Yeah. No. Uh- like I said before, like because I, I remember when we were talking about Tavon, and I was saying maybe it's best that we have a defensive-minded right back going into this season, considering the state of our current defense. To be fair, when you just boil it down to Cheneau and Martins, those are two very good center backs who I like. Now, listen, I, I know Joe doesn't like Martins very much at all. I think Martins is quite. If you if you really want to get a taste of how good Martins is, you have to look at his stats when he was playing with. Collins versus what it was looking like when Collins and Chanel were playing last year. Last year, I believe, if the numbers were correct, Collins, the partnership of Collins and Tiago Martins gave up 0.7 goals a game when they were on the field together. That's insane. That is, for us MLS defense, that's nuts. 0.7 goals per game, that's nuts. Now, Chanel, we know Chanel. Schnoe's a very good center back. As a matter of fact, before, uh, you know, like, 
you know, like even in like Collins' first two years with the club, Schnell, I still think, was the better of the two. It wasn't until Dome took over the club where Collins really came into his own and started like, you know, carrying the ball up the pitch and everything like that and like really started to like kind of break into his own like little role. I guess you would call it a libero. Um, but like, like, like Chanel is very good. He, he's getting on the older side, and we sh- and we should probably be expecting him to leave after twenty twenty three, maybe. Uh, even though I do, think I think he, I think he should, we'll should expect him to coach the the younger the younger. Uh, the <laughs> yes, he was getting a, Yes, he was getting his coaching license during the uh, COVID year, and he was studying to take his tests. And I do think he has some license licenses, and I do think that he's probably going to be hired by NYCFC. He's probably going to retire once he leaves us. Um, However, uh, I mean, Martins and Chanel are good. The only worry that I have is that they're both right-footed, so there's probably going to be some, unless we bring in a really, really good left center back over the offseason, which isn't looking like they do at this point, you're probably going to have some mishaps back there, and I do want to have confidence in that goalkeeper. And right now, do I have Reese's, uh, do, 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 I, do, do I think Barraza could be pretty decent with, like Joe put it, a very senior and experienced and seasoned defense in front of him? Yes. How, how, how do I, do I do I have confidence in him when he might have Tony Alfaro in front of him? Not particularly, uh, or, or when we have two right-footed center backs in front of him in a back four. Not particularly, uh, and and also as stats pointed out, for a lot of money to spend on a guy who's just going to sit on the bench. You could have gotten any guy from the USL Championship for that to be a backup goalkeeper, in my opinion. But you know that's just my that's that's how I see it. I'd like the record to say that my my, my gripe with Tiago Martins at the start was because he was just garbage the first month that he was here. But now, my, but now my progressive gripe with him is that essentially he's not Alexander Collins. My expectation of, of, of a center back is being able to be comfortable in the ball, make line splitting passes, and be composed. And I feel like he relies on his pace a lot. Um, and I feel like his just his his gameplay it it, it 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 makes our defense take a step back just because we relied a lot on Collins to initiate attacks from the back going forward with the ball and then it, Collins was not scared to 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 make an entry pass into the third and then continue his run and, and continue into the eighteen yard box like that was that was Collins's game and then now that that's not Tiago Martin's game so now so now we have Chano who doesn't really really like having the ball and we have Tiago Martin who doesn't like having the ball. And I haven't seen Alfaro play enough to know if he likes having the ball. But now we have three center backs who don't want the ball at their feet, really. So there was times where you see uh, Callens making runs, like like on the wing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, dude, dude love to get trying forward. to be a threat. Love to get forward. And also, I I think Christian talked about this earlier. But you like if you're going to play a back three, like you need to have a left footed CB in there, strictly just because of passing and angles wise. Like you need someone who can receive the ball on his left and just being able to open up the field. With that, with angles and a back three is absolutely crucial. Um, so I, which I think is kind of a continuation of a common point, but it's like there's so many holes that the team needs to fill prior to whenever you know is the end that they can make these deals. Because you look at you can the possibility of bringing in a left-sided center back is probably all that they really need to do to the back line with what they've done towards the fullbacks. But I mean, it's not even just squad depth in midfield. It's like we don't have a cam at all. Like, we don't have any attacking midfielders, like, at all. You know what I mean? We don't have a cam. We don't have a nine. There's hack, but I 
I mean, I don't like hack. I, I don't, mean, like I don't hack know either. High five. No, feel that <laughs> hack. Like, like, I think hack's terrible. Uh, and so, like, all you have is Alfredo in the middle, to be honest with you. There's no one's even fielded in the nine. Didn't we sign a guy from, like, the second tier? Gabe Seagal. <laughs> Gab Seagal. Gabe Seagal. Yeah, se- second team signing. Congratulations, David. Yeah. You fucking idiot. <laughs> like, so, 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 so. And MD Myers, okay, who I haven't heard anything about in preseason. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say, like, yes, that's yeah, I think this is just a season of vibes, to be honest. No, like, I think, don't you fucking say that. I think this is a season of vibes because we have a right winger and a left winger who are both from Brazil. And you can't, are, you can't say that in the presence of Coach Jones. Do not yeah. say that. Yeah, because how did our vibes go last year? Look, we wasted a season of vibes, and now Collins is gone, Tinnerholm is gone, Maxi's gone, Santi's gone, Nico's gone. Everyone's fucking gone. <laughs> I, think, I think this is a season where I think it's just going to be – fun to watch in a sense that I think our game plan is going to be we have an Argentinian left back and then we have two Brazilian wingers let's just get the ball to those guys try and do a little bit of Jogo Bonito and try and make something happen so, because we don't have a nine we don't have an attacking midfielder I mean we have one center defensive mid whose leg is hanging well, up. It, would, it would be fun if we had fucking Ronaldinho on the wing but we don't have Ronaldinho on the wing do we so to so, quote, so, so, to quote so, kicking and screaming in, in kicking and screaming it's pass the ball to the Italians for us it's pass the ball to the South Americans I mean, it's either pass the ball to the South Americans or pass the ball to the American who played in like the third tier of Germany. So no, he was uh, in the Bundesliga. You, you slow your roll, slow, uh, slow, slow the Alfredo Morales slander. He no, 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 no. Talking about Segal. Yeah, So, so Segal played at Stanford, and apparently, while he was playing at Stanford, uh. FC Cone in the Bundesliga like took sight of him and thought that he was decent and wanted to uh, sign and signed him basically on a free contract, convinced him to drop out of Stanford, which is a bold decision because we all it's, it's Stanford. Uh, even if you don't go pro, you know, that's still a very good school to get your education and maybe get a job. Uh, they basically had him playing for the reserve team, which is, I think, technically, in, no, that's not even the third division of Germany. It's the fourth tier of Germany. It's the Regionale. Not even the three league, um, and um, I, I think we signed him as a project that we're hoping hope, hoping can develop. He's probably going to play exclusively for NYCFC two this year, barring whatever we did. I, I don't know if this was on your notes, Joe. We did go out, and if it is, we might as well get to it now anyway because we have been on here for an hour and a half. And yeah, we should just so start going. The next two rumors are uh, uh, Brian Kufre and uh, Simon Vladersik. Uh, 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 so, so Brian Brian Kufre, I think, is a is a shoe in at this point. It seems obvious. There's a lot of smoke, and uh, and also Girona, uh, not Girona, uh, Mallorca just brought in another left back on loan to replace him on the squad. But the Kufre and is going to so be alone. Well. Yeah, Kufre is in on a loan. He's in. Let, let count. On a loan, but a we can buy him for like two million. With an option to buy for two million, which is a very it's a good price. I like the price. So, so, the if, price. so if he becomes like Kai Wagner, <clears throat> like you just sign him for two million. That's a fucking bargain. Fuck Kai Wagner. Don't bring him up. Don't bring up Kai Wagner. What are you <laughs> doing, Dobby? You're better than this. Don't bring up Kai Wagner. Oh, are you gonna okay, bring okay, up Jose okay, Martinez okay, so, next? All right. So, all right. So what? Like Prime Roberto Carlos, just from Argentina. Then. No, he's a he's a much better version. He's Chris Winger, but with talent and skill and good looking. So, uh, so basically, not Chris Winger, but Chris Winger. Uh, and by the, uh, by the way, Angelina wore, Angelina wore sixty nine. So, 
You got to respect that. Wine them, dine them, 69 them, baby. Uh, but uh, no, okay. So Brian Kufre, count him in. We've already kind of talked about Kufre a bit and stats like really had the nitty gritty on him, a very good attacking minded fullback who I think is going to play dividends. Uh, Simon Watercheck is not worth talking about. And I had this fucking argument with Source on Twitter because Source is, 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 Source is convinced that, you know, like they've gotten the offer. The, the original report from Fabrizio Romano, who, as we know, is one of the best in the business. If Fabrizio says it, you might as well take it as gospel at that point, because Fabrizio is very good with the transfer window. If he, if he confirms your pitch bit has been taken, just, just, just accept it, brother. <laughs> it, it, here's the thing. The, Simon Vladercheck, I looked at his tape, very good player. The big big kid, tall kid, 18, uh, about 18 years old. Polska. Um, very, <laughs> Very good with the ball at his feet. He's albeit a little bit right foot, a little bit one footed, but then again, so is Tati. Tati was pretty much a right footed player who used his left foot. He, very he was so right footed that he had to throw him for bonus. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to cross the ball. Um, Simon Vladercheck, let me just put this out now, is not coming to our club. So the, the, the rumor from Fabrizio is that he has received an offer from NYCFC, but he wants to win. And I'll tell you why he wants to win. He currently has an offer from Fenerbahce. He currently has an offer from Celtic. Well, Celtic haven't put in, but they're talking. That he's, they're interested. Uh, he's being looked at by two Bundesliga clubs and unnamed clubs in the Serie A. Yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck no. I rest, I, I rest my case. Yeah, fuck no, bro, we're not getting him. And, and also, and also even, even so, he wants to wait until the summer. He's not making his decision until the summer. Okay, I think, the Simon yeah, I, think, I think that's the, the, the Simon Vladercheck conversation. If you guys want to mention, I, I mean, listen, I'm not going to tell you guys what to do. If you guys want to talk about him a little bit, that's fine. He's not coming. That's, that's the nail uh, in the and, coffin. And, he wants to wait and, until the summer. And, that's the nail in the coffin. And one day when we eventually do get source on this pod, because the day is coming, Joe is dreading it, but the day is coming. And we're going to do, and, and listen, and we might have a good conversation because, listen, full disclosure, and in case you're listening to the source, I do like Source. I do like the grind. He's young. He's a little bit argumentative and standoffish. He's a little bit of annoying little shit. But I like him. I think he's got a good grind to him. And I think if he keeps on plugging through, maybe one day he could be a legit insider. God knows that this club needs it. However, I don't think the 15-year-old has to drop on anything more than, say, a uh, 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 an Abramovitz or a Glenn Crooks has at this club who have been there for much longer and who have been conspicuously no, silent. But he could, he could definitely get up to there. He could definitely get up to that. that no, I, I like Sora. I mean, yeah. Kind of, he, do you think he, that he, has, has, do you think that he needs to uh, develop a little bit more of a softer personality? Yes, I do think he needs to be a little less standoffish, a little bit less argumentative. The story isn't about you and your... And, 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 and your reliability. The story is always about, because typically he's usually doing some, he's usually doing some digging on Twitter and finding reports and then reporting them back to us. And then the people comment on the reports themselves. And he gets a little bit, I don't know why he's trying to do PR for the club for free. They should pay you for that. But like, uh, like, like listen, <clears throat> the outfield, um, I believe it was, um, uh, I want to find out who it was. I think it was uh, Peter Harvey. I think is his name. It his name. Um, I, I I think that's who did it. Did the article? Let me find out who did the article first because it was a very good piece. Uh, have a, uh, Paul Harvey. Sorry, sorry, Paul. Uh, Paul Harvey. And we right. talk Paul, all the time. Paul Harvey's a good dude. 
Uh, yeah, a very good dude, very smart. Uh, did, did a piece for the outfield where he talked about the uh, the, t- the turnover in our roster this offseason. No MLS club in the history of ever has let go of as many production players, productive players, as we have this offseason. When it comes to our offseason, we gave up 25% of our production this offseason. No club has done that since LA Galaxy going into the 2015 season who gave up 21%. The turnover itself isn't unprecedented. The quality in that turnover, unheard of. Nobody has ever tore it down like we have this year. By the data, and and to, to get me to try to feel confident moving forward without when when the only significant rumors have been a left back and a and a fucking fourth tier Germany striker who was just in college a year and a half ago that that shit is inappropriate and it needs to stop because no. Listen, I, I love source and I love the optimism. I ain't in the optimism camp. I'm in the let's address it step by step. I'm in the realist category. Let's adjust this club for let, 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 let's let's uh let's appraise this club on an individual basis. Right now we have nothing to be excited about. We 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 we're bringing in a left back who might be very good, and and we're trying to pursue a striker who has no who has a snowball's chance in hell. Let's let's just just just, just, just water down expectations, lads. I mean, if we if we get into the playoffs as a sixth seed, I'll fucking celebrate that. Shit. Now, now, I'm now, excited. A caveat to that. Now, now, a caveat to that. From pure talent perspective, if you look at the eleven in our squad, not a bad eleven. It's not, and it'll probably get us into the playoffs. I don't think we'll miss the playoffs this year. And I've said that. We've talked about that. We're not winning an MLS Cup with the squad. We're not even coming close. We're first round exit, and that's and listen. If that's okay with some people, it's fine. Me personally, I'd like us to aim more because I do think we have the resources to get more, and I think that we can build to win the squad with three additions. I've said it. Not many, two or three additions. You're an MLS Cup contender again if they're the right additions. One hundred percent. Don't tell me to be optimistic when there's nothing to be excited about right now in the transfer market. There's no, there's no talk. Uh, uh, sorry for the long-winded. All right, so we got to kind of wind down here. Um, there was news came out that um, on top of the press conference for preseason, that NYCFC is holding an exclusive city members Q&A directly with Brad Sims. Um, I know I, I'm not a current city member, so I can't participate in that, but I, I, are you, do you I guys plan on two questions. Okay, so Christian Ernst missed the questions. Uh, Stats, are you a city member? The, uh, a city member, season, I don't believe. Season so. ticket holder, I was pretty a much. Founding right? season ticket holder, I was until it just it was not financially. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. same reason why I left. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a decision because like I could just pay less to go. Exactly. Down. I, yeah, I pay. I pay per game. I don't. I don't pay lump sum. So I mean, they've been trying. Especially to when they're paying it in every single baseball yeah. stadium in the tri-state area. Yeah, like, they've been this. trying to get me to come back. I, I keep telling them, uh, no, and yeah. I just pay per game. They uh, want to convince me, but I, I just, I've just been holding off on that. Yeah, all right. So, okay, so, 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 as, the, as, the, as the only city member here, I can tell you what my two questions were. Yeah. Uh, my two questions were, what is the status of Gabrielle Pereira's visa? Because nobody thought to fucking ask that during the press conference for some odd fucking reason. So, so listen, uh, listen, we have some great journalists who cover this club. I'm not taking a shot at you, but 
how did anybody miss that? How did, how did we miss that? How does that so play like, over that was like, that, That's our best player right now. Like, you really, like, what, 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 at a statistical level, it's our best player. Where is he? Is he coming? Can we expect him before the season? Or are we going to have to wait a little bit more? But anyway, I'm, I'm not taking a shot at any journalist or any... How pissed will you guys be I, if, if something happens with his visa and then it comes out that we have to short-term loan him to somebody in Brazil because he can't get out of the fucking country? Uh, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. No, don't do that. I don't want to hear that. Not right now, please. I can't. Listen, I don't know where my blood pressure is. I haven't checked in a long time. It's probably not at a healthy level. I don't need to have a stroke right now. And I also asked... Short-term him, loan to Bahia. <laughs> oh, fuck you. No, fuck you, man. Fuck Bahia. Piece of shit club. Oh, my God. Oh. All right, what was, your se- no, what was the second man. question that you asked him? Or you're I'll asking him. Without getting into specifics, there's been a large amount of roster turnover. Is the club's plan to mine its its academy for talent and build from within, or are we going to be players in the international transfer market this this winter? That's what vague enough fair question. to where it's possible to where it warrants an answer, and you don't have to tell me players. Oh yeah, we're looking at this player, this player, this player, this player, and completely ruin your life. I get that you can't go out and talk about players. Talk about a plan. You can talk about a plan. Steps. What's up? Oh, you got to bounce. I was just saying, I got to take off. But thank you guys very All much. Man, All right, man. Thanks, no thanks for coming. Uh, Enjoy your coming on. Stats. Let, let them know where they can find you on Twitter. All right, statistics NYCFC on Twitter. Hopefully, posting a bit more optimism. Um, but you know, <laughs> the season starts. I'll be very active on there once the season gets back into full flow. So, appreciate you boys having me on. All right, yep. Peace. All right, have a good weekend, man. We're happy to have you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, so the last things we're going to go over, I mean, so we've, we've kind of touched on a lot of stuff NYCFC because this is a primarily NYCFC podcast, um, but we had a midweek uh, USM, uh, U.S. men's national team game uh, lost to Serbia. Uh, we went up 1-0 on a, on a glancing header from uh, Brendan Vasquez, um, and then uh, we conceded a goal, um, essentially because Walker Zimmerman doesn't know how to operate a wall. Um and then we, uh, I actually, I fell, I, full disclosure, I fell asleep at halftime because it's late and I'm old. Um, but, uh, I think I, so I went back and watched the, um, the, uh, the second goal, um, being conceded and, uh, it, it was very, very, very quick into the, uh, into the second half and then nothing happened the rest of the game. So two, lo- two, one loss to Serbia with a prime, with a, like a CD squad, U.S. Minnesota squad. Yeah, and considering the squad, and you know, this might surprise people. I actually thought there was way more positives to take out of it than negatives because I do think that there's there was some quality in that. Cade Cowell is a motherfucker. Yeah, that kid's very talented, um, and I'm really excited to see how he develops. I don't think he's ready for the first team yet, obviously. And there's a lot of players ahead of him in the pecking order. You've got he's only 19 as well. So he's got a lot of time. Yeah, it's he's he's not getting rid of Leia or Reina or Fulisic or or uh, uh, who, who am I missing here? Um, Adams. Uh, uh, well, uh, not Adam. Reyna, McKinney, Pulisic, a, a winger. No, uh, Aronson. No, he's a, Wea, yeah, Aronson. Yeah, uh, Aronson, Wea, Reyna, and Pulisic. You're not and, getting and, past oh, and, any and, of those guys. No, McKinney, don't, McKinney. Hey, d- don't forget the goat winger Ro- Christian Roldan. Don't forget the goat winger Christian uh, Roldan. You mean you mean Paul Ariel? <laughs> Paul Ariel, undeniable. But um, and also uh. Brandon Vasquez looks decent, but he also kind of looks like a guy who needs delivery. 
So maybe he can put chances away. I don't know if he can create chances. Um, there's a few players who I never want to see again. Walker Zimmerman's one of them. Uh, awful. Trash. Terrible. Garbage. Uh, he's awful. I don't ever want to see him again. Ever. There and was, if it wasn't, and if it wasn't for him, we would have finished the group with seven points. Yeah, there was two players in the game midweek that I was very underwhelmed with, and I, I didn't think I thought that it showed that they didn't belong there yet, and that was um, uh, Aiden Morris, the, uh, the central midfielder for, Aiden Morris, for the crew. Yeah. His first half was uh, granted. I only saw the first half, um, but I was not impressed with him. I thought he was a little bit uh, like panicky, and and he wasn't um, completing passes. He was getting bossed, knocked down in the midfield. It didn't look good. Um, and, then the, and then the other one was, uh, was actually, it was three players. I guess it was, it was the uh, the left back. Um, I, don't, I think his name was Gomez. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, where is he playing? Um, he's playing in Spain, I believe. Yeah, I wasn't too impressed. Uh, um, so, I don't remember. There was another fullback that came in that I really, who played in that? I don't That game was a blur to me, but I remember being in, like impressed with a few young players and saying, you know what? They're not ready right now, but they have a future. Yeah. Um, uh, I- I'm still wondering when's Kevin Paredes going to get a win? Zendejas. He scored a goal today. Zendejas. Zendejas. Oh uh, yeah, I, no, he I, played I, right. He I, played I, right, right back, right winger, right back. Yeah, right I, winger. I, I, right winger. I, I like Zendejas. He played right winger. Yeah, I, I, I mean, thought Zendejas looked good. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, yeah, no, the problem is in the first great. half he didn't get yeah. the ball a lot in the first half. He moved centrally. Well, I don't think he played. He moved. He moved centrally. Did he come in in the first half? He did. Yeah, he started. He, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. He did start. Yeah, no, I remember watching his performance in the second half. He moved. Yeah, because he moved. He moved centrally in the second half, but in the first half he was out at right wing, and he wasn't getting. He wasn't doing anything. He was very good. Like, and I, I like Zendejas a lot. All right. So um, when Kevin Paredes going to get into that team? I don't know. He scored a goal today for in the Bundesliga. Uh, for Wolfsburg, he yeah. scored his goal. He scored a goal today. Nice. Um, yeah, he was a left back like uh, in MLS, but he's a left winger now. Yeah. All right. So then, um, at the time of this recording, it is seven eighteen on Saturday. Um, the U.S. Men's National Team kicks off a game in twelve minutes, I believe, at seven thirty. I, I dropped the eleven in the chat. The yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So, um, so Sean get Sean is getting the start. Um, the snake himself is is getting the start and goal. Um, Stop it. Walker Zimmerman, Dewan Jones, Paxton Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, John Tolkien, the Red Bull oh. fuck. Matthew Hoppy, um, Aaron Long, the ex Red Bull fuck, um, Eric Williamson, and Kellen Acosta is the starting eleven. Uh, that's the one I forgot about. Dewan Jones, I really liked. I really thought he looked really good. Uh, I, I'm actually surprised. He's 25. I'm surprised he's still in MLS. He's really good. Uh, he's gonna I'm be sure. an, he's gonna uh, be an MLS I, I, lifer. Kellen, uh, you said Kellen Acosta, right? I no, Dewan Jones. Oh, Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones. No, no. Kellen Acosta is gonna be an MLS lifer, but Dewan Jones, uh, he play, did he play for the Reds? Yeah, what? He plays right for the Rebs, right? right? Or left, back. left back, left back, left back. No, the Rebs. Sorry, the Rebs. Right yeah, he yeah, he plays for the Rebs. He's left. Yeah, yeah, Rebs. Now he he's a isn't he isn't uh, he a left footed player playing right back? No, isn't he a left back? Is, think, so then is he is he a right footed player playing left back? Because I listen to no, a podcast. His left, foot, it, his left foot is I do think his left foot is his preferred foot, but I do think he has a good right foot too. I think he's yeah, like, I was listening to a footed. podcast that was saying that he was a right footed left back. And the yeah, reason, and the reason why, oh, so he's got, so got a five star weak foot. The reason why he can't play right back is because is it Brandon who plays right back for for uh, Brandon Bye. Brandon Bye. So he he can't yeah. beat out Brandon Bye. So they put him on the left. 
Interesting. But I, I, I was listening to a, well, a, a podcast about the Revs earlier this week, and I could have swore I heard them say yeah. that he is a, a, a true right-footed player, but he plays on the left. So I'm looking at the starting 11. The only thing that strikes out to, that, that, that jumps out at me is I like Copy. I do, I do think Copy's a decent player. Uh, and I, I like DeWan Jones. And I, I do have high hopes for Paxton Aronson, depending on his development. However, uh, Jesus Ferrer is fucking hopeless. So there's only two. Uh, there's only two non MLS guys in the starting lineup, right? <laughs> no, there's pretty much all MLS guys. No, well, Matthew Hoppy's not. Matthew Hoppy's not MLS, and now there's Paxton Aronson, right? No, no, Aronson's the Bundesliga. Hoppy's. Well, like he, he just Paxton. Yeah, but Dewan Jones is MLS. Walker Zimmerman's MLS. Sean Johnson's it's all, MLS. It's all MLS, Ferrara, except MLS. MLS. Except for the two. Yeah, Kellen yeah, Acosta. Where does Eric Williamson play? Uh, Portland. Portland, yeah. Portland, Portland yeah. Yeah, so it's an all MLS starting lineup except for uh, Hoppy and the striker, uh, the striker and uh, and the Cam. Is that what pa- Paxson? Hoppy and Paxson. Hoppy and Paxson. Yeah, it'd be striker and Cam. Yeah, so the, the attack, the, the two attackers are are foreign, and everyone else is MLS. So is John Tolkien not moving? Tolkien's playing for the Red Bulls. I mean, there's there's been some rumors, um, and then there was a there was a okay. uh, there was a someone came out with a report that claimed. That uh, that uh, John Tolkien is the best left back prospect in the world, not in MLS, in the world. Yeah, that's, that's that's nuts. Uh, who's the one <laughs> that's that? Uh, who's the one that the Red Bulls developed and he was playing for them? And he was on loan from like Salzburg last year. Kyle Duncan, Kaden like, Clark, Kyle Duncan, Kaden Clark. No, no, no it's Kaden uh, Clark. Kyle Duncan Kyle was a Duncan. rebel player. Then, then they they sold him off. Yeah, but now back. he got loaned back, and then now he got signed. Yeah, back. He, he's he, he's in. He, uh, so Kyle Duncan is attached to a Belgian team. No, he's uh, not. I'm telling you, Red, Red, Bull, Red Bull bought him back. Did they permanent transfer oh, back I to the Red Bulls? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the one I was thinking of because he couldn't part. hack it. Well, I'm not. Was it? Was it Leipzig? Was it Leipzig that he's attached to? It's Leipzig. Leipzig. Right? Yeah. Duncan. It was Leipzig, yeah. yeah. Kaden Clark, yeah, yeah. Leipzig, yeah. Kaden Clark, yeah. That's no, the one I, I was thinking. Uh, of, uh, Duncan, I think, went to yeah. a Belgian, a Belgian club. No, Kyle Duncan was the one that. Oh, was, that was Duncan. Yeah, yeah. then now he's back. Yeah. Is he is he back though? Or is he still on loan? No, no he got back bought back by the Red Bulls because because he couldn't hack it in Europe. <laughs> Hold on. I want to find out. Uh, what, what's the next topic? What, what, what else we got? Uh, I mean, that, so just talking about like like uh, the the result, what, what we think it's going to go on today for the UN's men's national team um, I, I, against Colombia. I mean, we we have not gotten. It's good not going to go well. We have not gotten good results against them, and we're playing could, a, a ninety. Could care less, honestly. Could care less. Ninety-eight percent MLS team against them. Okay, so so okay, so wait, so just for clarification, from Tom Bogert. Uh, the Red Bulls were going to bring Duncan back on a loan with a purchase option for Mustende again this season. So another season on loan with an option to buy potentially. So just to just to clarify. All right. I mean, we pretty much went over the our, the entire NYCFC roster. So I think we wrapped up everything NYCFC. And I mean, just uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I still enjoy watching the international friendlies just because it gives you a better idea of what the talent of what the pool looks like. Um, because obviously we know the cream of the crop, what the, what the, what the starter team looks like, cause we just had a world cup. 
but it's good to uh, it's good to see what the uh, B, C, D, E level players look like. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, so so far NYCFC is does not have a win yet in preseason. Now I know that I'm catching a lot of flack on Twitter from people saying that preseason results don't matter, but I think that preseason results do matter. I think that winning and losing are both contagious. And that if you uh, if you look at like a team a, a MLS Cup contender now like the Philadelphia Union, um, they're they're pretty much running through people in the preseason. They're scoring goals from the run of play. They're scoring goals from set pieces with their senior with their first team. And then you look at NYCFC and we're scoring PKs and corner kicks and we're conceding two goals in the game, one goal. Like it's just uh, I just I think we need a positive result. I'm 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 definitely looking forward to uh, the Coachella Valley Invitational. Uh, hopefully getting to see some televised games so we can physically see what the game looks like and what our formation looks like and stuff like that. But until then, we're just, all, all we have to go by is the press releases from these behind-door scrimmages. How do you guys feel about, yep. about I'm that? Just, I'm, just, I'm just hoping we get a player or two in the, in the coming days, in the coming weeks. I'm hoping that we make some moves before February is over. And I also, um, I also hope that it's fucking Coachella you Coachella Valley Invitational is streamed somewhere because I'd like to see where this team is and how they look. Because I mean, it's hard for us to really tell how they're playing because who knows? You know, like how are people moving off the ball? Is the team clicking? Obviously, I know that's a lot like high standards for preseason, but we can't see these games, and I'd like to be able to see what's going on. I, th- I think um, when's Coachella? February sixth, right? Hold on, real quick. If it's after February 1st, I mean, it's available on Apple TV. Yeah, so, uh, that, that's, so. that's actually what I was going to ask next. So, Christian, you get the, you get the subscription uh, for free because you are a season ticket holder. Davi and I are going to have to pay $99 mm-hmm. for the year um, for, for Apple TV. Um, I do like that it is a central location for us to watch all games, and we don't have to constantly figure out, like, oh, is it blacked out on this? Is it on ESPN Plus? Do we have to watch it on Yes? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, we no longer have to worry about that stupid trash Yes is the, app. Is, is the game on Twitter? Like, we had, there was legit some games that we had to watch and, like, fucking plug in your computer and stream it off Twitter. Um, yeah. yeah. The two-day end games. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. so at least it's a central location, but, I mean, but it, it kind of sucks that every game is a night game now because uh, day games are fun to bring, like, my nephew to, and, and they were just... It was fun because you go to a game and then it doesn't ruin the rest of your day. Like you go to a game and then you and then you get home by three o'clock and you have the rest of your day to do whatever you want. Rest in peace, the one PM derbies. Yeah. Uh, where is the schedule? Here it is. Uh, Coachella. So we have we had LAC today. We have LA Galaxy on the February fourth, which I'm not sure what day of the week that is. Um, but that's at 10 p.m. Eastern. I think that's a I think that's a Friday. Okay, so 10 o'clock on a Friday we have a game against LA Galaxy. And then, oh, that's uh, no, that's next Saturday. Next Saturday. Okay, so ne- next Saturday at ten o'clock at night against LA Galaxy, um, probably another closed door bullshit. Um, and then February fifteenth is our first match of Coachella at three thirty Eastern time against St. Louis City. Followed by Yay. followed by a game the same day, not in Coachella, against the San Diego Loyal, which I'm assuming is going to be. The, the depth guys like uh, like fucking um, uh, MD Myers and uh, Carrizo. Gabe Segal. No, Carrizo's a starter right now, dude. I'm telling you. Carrizo has started through all three preseason games. Penselman is a starter until until otherwise noted. We are fucking down bad. Um, and then, so our, our two games. Now, is, is Coachella, is that like a is that like a group stage? And then go, or do we just get two games? And that's it. Because 
I don't know. Our only two games are February 15th against St. Louis and and February 18th against the Timbers. I think that's just like a preseason. All right, so so it's the Timbers and St. Louis City. That's who we get. And then we we get a – the same day as St. Louis City, we get San Diego Loyal, who's going to be an MLS club probably shortly. Um, and then that's that's our preseason. So, Feb- so February eighteenth, and then and then we, we have uh, opening day is February twenty eighth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty fifth. We play the opening February twenty fifth. So we, so from February eighteenth to twenty fifth, we fly back to New York, train, and then um, and then fly down to Nashville for opening day. So everything's gonna come kind of fast and furious. Uh, hopefully, hopefully before February twenty fifth, we, uh, we uh, Brian. Hopefully, Kufrain is is here by then. Um, and hopefully, maybe there's another, maybe one more splash signing or depth signing or or something. So, just sign, I think, I think just we'll signs of life. More, more signs, signs of life I would think, be great. I think we'll see one or two more signings because this is it's on brand for us to work this late to have signings during uh, mid to late preseason but in the, February. The frustrating and part then, about that is we as as a as a team and as a club, we are never going to contend for a shield. If we continuously wait until the until the season has already started to bring players in, because it takes time for them to gel, that's what preseason is supposed to be used for. So if you're not bringing players in well, until, until the end of preseason, that means that we're not gelling until April, May, June, July, and we need to gel earlier than the, that if we want to contend for a fucking shield. I think the thing is, I don't think this team is concerned at all with contending for a shield, period. I don't think it's part of the, I think this is a team that thinks if they end up in the MLS Cup final or wins the MLS Cup final, that's the job well done. I think this team is set on on winning MLS Cups and potentially Champions League. I don't think a, a supportive shield is on this team's priority. Now, no, listen, I'd love to have a shield just to fill up the cabinet, you know, even though it's not a fucking league title. Stop oh, it. Oh, and people on Twitter. I know, I know you, uh, it's not you, Christian. I know you said this earlier. I just want a shield to, so we can have put the cup on top of the shield and tweet it at the Red Bulls. It's a coaster. <laughs> and use that as a coaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what it's supposed to be for. It's supposed to be a coaster to hold your MLS Cup that you should win at the end of the season. That's probably how LLA is probably going to present it this year. It's a nice little supporter shield with a cup inside that little gap in it. But, uh, uh, no, it's not a league title. However, it's something nice to have just to stuff the trophy cabinet. But honestly, I'm fine with our trophy cabinet consisting of nothing but MLS Cups, Camp Campionas Cups, and maybe a Champions League one day. All right, boys. USA is on 7.30. Let's wrap it up. Final thoughts. Christian, go. Uh, I'm looking for more movement in the transfer window. I really hope so. I do think NYCFC is going to be competitive this year, but I do think we need to make some movements if we want to be very competitive this year. Davi, final thoughts. Go. Fans, water down your expectations. This isn't going to be a competitive year, but 2024 and beyond, I think I think you could start uh, getting more into that uh, MLS Cup expectations. Uh, just, just not this year. Uh, my final thoughts are that um, even, I mean, even based on uh, the departures and arrivals and, pers- and prospective arrivals, I still think that um, NYCFC has built a culture of winning ex- um, uh, minus the 2015 season. Uh, we haven't missed the playoffs um, since 2015. I think that's going to continue. I think that we're going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying we're going in as the one seed, um, but I, I think that uh, I think that we're still going to be competitive as long as uh, as long as everyone stays healthy. Um, and people uh, mature and and and, get, and can continue to get better, um, but there are we do need a few depth signings, um, which I hope the front office are working on. Um, but I do think that overall uh, that NYCFC is we're we're 
we're a top a top club in in the league, and I think that we uh, we'll, where there's a will, there's a way, and I think that we will still do well in the Eastern Conference. With that, episode three has come to an end. I appreciate you guys joining me, and and as well as stats coming on to uh, to drop some knowledge. Um, and I think we'll probably uh, p- pick it back up with episode four probably uh, probably next week. Um, hopefully, some maybe some things have happened. Uh, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm good. I'm good with the uh, with the direction that we're headed in with the, with with the podcast and with NYCFC. Both thumbs up. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. Guys, uh, we're gonna be all right. Just hang in there. Yep. And uh, the only Twitter question I didn't get to was asking about the one who shall not be named. Who Christian happened to bring it up, but maybe we'll get him on here. Maybe we won't. We have to figure it out. We'll, logistically, we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, as always, this is Coach Joe Uncensored. Peace.